Lovely white chocolate. Hello, happy. It's not a fucking happy Easter for me. Welcome to Riot Act. <laughs> you were this so is... excited about Easter. A I know, and ago. I've ruined it. I've had about nine um, Easter eggs, Renfrey. Well, Silly boy. Welcome to Riot Act. I'm Stephen Hill, a fat, disgusting slug <laughs> consuming his entire body weight in different types of egg shaped chocolate. He's Renfrey Deadman. Also a fat, disgusting slug, but more happy about it generally right, than okay. you are. Yeah, I've eaten a 900 gram Marks and Spencer's um, rabbit today. And then Ooh. I've just had a delivery of um, a massive white chocolate Easter egg. from it's bloody big. Which I didn't need to open mm. on the same day. Yeah. And you have. I hate myself. And half of it's gone. Half of it has gone. I rarely choose white chocolate. Oh, I like white chocolate. Yeah? yeah? It's very sweet. I didn't know it was white chocolate until I opened it, and then I was like, wow, this is a bad time for me. <laughs> Fucking, um, I feel like um, Jesus, while he was on the cross. <laughs> <laughs> this must be exactly how Yeah, really fat and sort of lethargic. <laughs> uh, anyway, luckily, I won't have much chatting to do this week because it's a pretty stacked show, but most of it's stacked from what you've been up to, Rem. That's right, fool. Which is going to Roadburn. So uh, coming up on the show, Renfrey's going to go through 17, 16, 17 bands that he saw at the weekend at Roadburn. Roughly, yeah. Um, and we'll also be reviewing new albums from the Chemical Brothers, Sun and Memory of Elephants. Plus, in trade-off, we'll be talking about the dual albums of uh, Down I Go and Graham Coxon. Yes. That's cool coming up. That's pretty varied. That's pretty That's varied. Right. Yeah, it's a good little varied. We were, I just need to say, actually... Um, we intended to review the Flaming Lips record this week, which mm. is out on vinyl only. Mm. So presumably, yeah. most of you haven't heard it. 4,000 copies were released. Four? I think it was 4,000 for Record Store Day. Yes, and we've got one of them. <gasps> oh, we got one. So I've heard it. Renfrey hasn't heard it. No. Uh, I'm going to lend it to him, and then we're going to be reviewing it next week. Yeah, next week. Or, yeah. yeah we'll, we'll, we'll fit it in. Yeah, but, but we will be doing the Flaming Lips album next week, but I just don't in think case. It, I don't think it officially gets released until June or July. No, until June, But we'll July. do it. But we've, it's out, you know, Debatable. we've bought it, we listened to it. What are you, what are you going to do about it? Nothing. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, um, shout out our good friends at Musicism. Um, they provide you with the best online tutorials for the budding musician, singer, songwriter, producer, musicism.net. All the usual stuff, nine ninety nine. Um, Riot in capital letters in the checkout, get 25% off. Basically what I say every week, what I say every week, if you're kind of going, well, this is the first week listening to it, you know, I'm sure by the end of this, we'll have convinced you to listen to another one. You'd hope so. And you'll be able to listen to what I normally say, but I just kind of, you know, I feel too kind of <laughs> sludgy in my stomach and sort of sugary and a bit sort of sad mm. to be able to really give it the full. So sorry, guys. You music, look like isn't. all of those things as well. I know, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm sugary and sad. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Also, same again with the Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash right podcast. Give us some money, basically, so I can pay for sort of liposuction, um, uh, sugar addiction therapy, um, and like a heart monitor. Ah, oh, that'd be a good idea. Yeah, yeah, for all of those things. If you do do that, you can also suggest an album for us to do on Right Ears Review. Yeah. Uh, that's the least important part. Really. We, probably, just, we just need that heart monitor. Really yeah, badly. probably the least important part. And also, you can buy over on rightact.com, you can buy merch, like T-shirts, which I can no longer fit into. <laughs> you look fine, mate. I don't, know why you're, I don't know why you're moaning. You look all right. just feel gross, to be honest. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And of course I do, because I sort of am. Um <laughs> Anyway, uh, been a, a funny old week. Um, you've been in Holland. I have, yeah. I don't feel like I've been here. 
right in time and space <laughs> yeah i um didn't do anything quite as good as roadburn but i did very quickly went to go and see the black dahlia murder hello who were great as yeah. usual sold out the underworld i think nightbringers 18 months since nightbringers came out which i think is the best black dahlia murder record and um they're just one of the most consistent bands if not the most consistent band in metal certainly would say probably are an extreme metal you know, we're talking yeah. eight, pretty much eight for eight for the Black Dali Murder in terms of very, very, very good records. And yeah. I'd say the last one is the best. And they, they played seven songs off of Nightbringers. Nice. And uh, it was excellent. And they're fun as well. You yeah. Know, it was getting streamed live over the internet, um, so like Facebook or whatever, Facebook Live. And at one point they went, hey, there's all the people watching at home. And they just, the whole band just turned around and went, you fucking dicks. <laughs> you fuck off, buy a ticket. And like, you know, it was just, a, and most sort of extreme metal bands are so, you know, happy to be, well, not happy, are so kind of morbidly, you know, true and cult. And um, is your phone ringing? Sorry, my Naughty phone's boy. I'm going to switch that off right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the Black Dali murder, uh, are quite happy to have, have a laugh. You get Trevor kind of waltzing along to, what a horrible night to have a curse and everyone swinging their arms on. You don't really get that at death metal shows. You don't generally, yeah. no. So, yeah, great. Black Dahlia Murder, as ever, were great. Okay, good. That's what I did. I know what you did. We're going to save for the end of the show. Yes. So, we'll let's just that. fucking crack straight on with some reviews, Renfrey. Oh, early oh, doors. Discom- get, discombobulated. All right, get it done weird. early doors. And let's start off with The Chemical Brothers. Uh, so, this is The Chemical Brothers' ninth studio album. It's called No Geography. And it's their first album in four years since 2015's Born in Echoes. Um, a little bit of back story for my own personal relationship with the Chemical Brothers. I think if you get um, the very excellent Dig Your Own Hole album and you get the Chemical Brothers greatest hits, you are going to have a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant time. Yeah. Um, I can't genuinely say that I've been a massive fan of any of their entire bodies of work, any of their albums since that kind of, you know, uh, dig your own hole. And the, the first one where I can't remember that's called off the top of my head for some bizarre reason. But um, yeah, I, I think, you know, everyone loves galvanize and block rocking beats and setting sun particularly. And do I'll do that. Well, wow, it's interesting. <laughs> and, you know, I think you have a good old time. And I think there's, um, you know, this is, we don't really cover kind of electronic and I guess, well, let's be fair about it. Dance music, that much on that. I mean, I podcast. suppose, I suppose you, you could argue that we've broadened out into it a little bit more. What with there being some quite big trip hop records quite recently, which mm-hmm. I think is where our interest in this, uh, in the British electronic side of music comes from predominantly am i speaking for you saying that uh yeah apex twin or tecra as well you know i like the kind of ambient um broken beats and um that sort of stuff and trip hop but then at the same time i really like that kind of the stuff i guess that put dance music on the map in this country that turned it into you know the phenomenal like you know it was the, the the dominant genre really towards yeah. the end of the 90s wasn't it yeah dance music so. was you know and ibiza became like the dominant thing yeah and um, it, was, it was every teenager's dream to go to ibiza basically yeah and I, and I think there were a bunch of bands like the prodigy would obviously be one utah saints the orb orbital daft punk um and chemical brothers who turned that into you know an un- that came from an underground movement a sort of underground rave culture and turned it into pop music i would add basement jacks to that but yeah. basement jacks yeah, yeah. yeah we're another one yeah for sure so um and i like all of that stuff 
Right, okay. I've actually okay. been listening back to, uh, I was listening to Utah Saints recently, actually. Uh-huh. And um, and that's aged really well. Oh, right. Okay. Mm. Okay. So I think a lot of this stuff has, particularly with, I suppose we'll talk about modern dance music. Yeah. Uh, in this review. Yeah. But when you compare what the, the kind of the sound of that and how it compares to the sort of thing we're interested in, in regards to what modern dance music sounds like now, uh, I think it's aged quite well. And I that's, think it makes sense. That's interesting you say that because I think when I look back to that time, my general feeling overall, not talking about a specific record, is that that era hasn't aged very well. And this partly came up a little bit in our, um, it almost seems insensitive to mention this now, but when we reviewed the last Prodigy album, we weren't mm. massive fans of it and it didn't, didn't really sound like it progressed all that much. And it, I think we both remarked that it felt very 90s, yeah. felt very 90s Prodigy. So, I mean, I certainly don't want to blanketly go, oh, I, I disagree. I think that stuff sounds uh, dated, but but I think it's a bit of both really i mean mm. we're good i think we'll i think it's i think it's i mean i should probably clear that up a bit better actually i think it's aged mm-hmm. and it sounds different mm. but i think it sounds good okay yeah is what i mean and i yeah. think musically i listen to it and i go well it might not be zeitgeisty mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but yeah. um i feel like there's more going on you listen to this record with a good pair of headphones and there's a lot of there's a lot going on. Still sounds powerful, maybe. Yeah, yeah. and and yeah. I think musically that that there is actually quite a lot happening, which I don't feel is true of Calvin Harris. Mm. Yes. Okay. Yep. Who yep. I guess would be a comparable modern equivalent to Chemical Brothers. Oh, I've never considered that, but yes, I suppose. I well, Chemical Brothers were a pop dance band. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I do agree. headline Glastonbury and Calvin Harris's, you know, yeah. can headline Coachella. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So, you know. That's depressing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, really well. depressing. Coachella was at the weekend, wasn't it? Fucking the Olympics for Instagrammers. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> I don't well, know. Oh, yeah, isn't it the most photographed site in the world? Yeah. Something stupid like Wicked. that. Wicked. Mental. Yeah, so that was good. Anyway, that's Chemical not what we're reviewing. <laughs> Chemical <laughs> Brothers. So, um, so your feeling about it? You obviously don't have such a strong or anywhere near as any kind of strong attachment to the Chemical Brothers as me. No, I, for the most part, that late nineties EDM electronica. Are we talking? It? Like, well, you know, elect- I suppose electronica was probably mm. the first time that word was being bandied around, wasn't it? Um, seen most of it, I absolutely hated and didn't really get especially at the time i've grown to be more uh i've grown to be more interested in the uh, subtler i don't know the less abrasive trip hoppy kind of variations and so Mm. on and so forth but to me i mean i was working at virgin megastore around the time that a lot of this was really big and just hearing these like, like pop dance tunes which to me were incredibly repetitive and went on for a long 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 time um was just a bit too much for you know i just i just found it really boring and dull um i think in terms of the chemical brothers personally i have no strong feelings one way or the other apart from the fact that they are part of that part of that group so it doesn't really do an awful lot for me like, i don't have those same feelings about mm. 
Chemical Brothers Greatest Hits and that album you mentioned like at all. I, I, this is, it's not the first Chemical Brothers list album I've listened to in its entirety because I had an ex who really liked them, but it's the first time I've returned to them probably in 16 years and sat down and listened to a full record. Right. So, yeah. So um, what do you think? Um, it's all right. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't love it. Um, but then I wasn't really expecting to because, yeah. I, like I've just outlined, I'm not particularly a Chemical Brothers fan. Um, I have to confess, for this one, nine times out of ten, I usually like try to come up with my own views and not read other reviews whilst you know reviewing someone else's work. But with this one, I sort of needed um, a barometer of what people thought of this record compared to the others because I was just kind of there going like. Well, it sounds like the Chemical Brothers to me. Um, and for reasons that actually become very clear the more I looked into the record. But um, I couldn't really ascertain whether people would consider it a good Chemical Brothers record or a bad one or whatever. Mm. When I looked it up, um, the general consensus seems to be that it's a sort of return to form. Probably the best thing they've done in a long, long, long time. Mm. I know it's been a while since they've released an album. But I think a lot of that is down to... Um, Apparently they went back to their old equipment, their old, the the material, uh, material, the instruments, and the stuff they were using, the technology they were using yeah. in the, for the first couple of records um, and only used that and didn't use any kind of, didn't, you know, smarten it up with any modern technology or anything like that. Tried to rediscover those tools, I suppose. Mm. So I suppose in a sense, it sounds retro in, in that sense, but it still sounds modern, I would say. Yeah. I think. I guess. I mean, actually, there, there's bits of it that sound modern, but mm. minimalism seems to be the thing in popular music right now. Mm. And it sounds like, I mean, there's a few, this record's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. You know, it's, um, like I said, I think it's got more going on than, than most modern minimalist sounding dance music. Songs like that. The Opener, Eva Destruction and Gotta Keep On, which was a single as well. That sounds a bit like sort of phoned in, very, very atypical Chemical Brothers to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think it's bad necessarily, but it sounds like the sort of thing that a band starts doing when they're 25 years into their career, just kind of aping and rehashing things that they've already done. Do you know what I mean? No one's ever going to listen to those songs and put them next to, you know, um, the, the big, big hitters mm. in the Chemical Brothers back catalogue because That's they just sound like kind of slightly less good versions of what they've done before yeah i mean i i, I would agree with that I, it's interesting you say that though because certainly the first couple of tracks sort of set up the whole theme i guess for this record is another it's more apocalyptic yeah present sort of stuff like the world is fucked oh thanks for that i didn't realize that um <laughs> uh, <laughs> um but it sets up that kind of uh tone um theme uh permutation throughout you know so yeah but yeah i agree with you they're they, they're, they're not as good as stuff i've heard in the past no i mean yeah it's it's fairly sort of rudimentary rally raging against the system isn't it yeah uh and that's fine you know, like you know what i mean like that's fine uh they use the the mad as hell and i'm not going to take it no more again like mm. everyone does from network that refrain yeah. um on mah that is we've spoken about the great dictator yeah. by charlie chaplin in the past i'm now beginning to feel that way about that network speech mm. it's a brilliant speech but can we stop using at it, least please? it's not 
it's just the words as opposed to a, yes. a sample. Yes, that's true. So it's sang, yeah. you know, rather than just a sample of it being looped. So, you know, um, it's, it's, I think it's a good song, personally. I think it's quite a good song. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, fine. <laughs> that, that, was, that was indifference. Okay, fine. Well, I mean, the good things about it. So Bango, I think it's great. Mm-hmm. It's got a really kind of odd mix of funk and world music. Yeah. Um, yep. But it's got that big bait, that big beat thing that Chemical Brothers do behind it, yep. which is really cool. Um, Lady Smith Man Banzo meets the Chemical Brothers. Yeah, yes, <laughs> if, if, if you like. Um, gravity drops. Um, gravity drops. Gra- gravity drops. Gravity drops. <laughs> I should say. I think is really, really great. I think that's a really good song. That's got mm-hmm. a kind of Aphex Twin style broken beat, yes. um, off kilter time signature part in it, yep. which is not you know totally and utterly unlike the chemical brothers mm-hmm. but it's not the sort of thing that you would normally associate with the chemical brothers so for them to be bringing it into their their you know their ninth album this deep into the career i think is really cool um we've got a try is you know uh, that's a sing- that's got a fucking a single. hit single all written all over it which is an absolute rager mm. i think it's a brilliant 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 song okay. um it's got a great vocal hook it's got this swat you know really kind of beautiful orchestration part behind it it's really 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 great so you know there's four songs there that i think are, are really good you've not noticed, you've not mentioned um probably uh one of my favorites the title track no geography um whilst it's uh nothing new in these days um it just has a very cool kind of drive soundtrack 80s feel yeah. to it and yeah, I, that's good. I just quite liked that um it's nothing new it sounds like the drive soundtrack or latter 65 days of static basically but mm. but you know it was i i it was probably the track i liked the most yeah though. i mean you know I, I yeah i agree that's a good one i also think there's um i mean the last track to me is a waste of time and a <laughs> mm-hmm. load of noise it's kind of almost ballady but, yeah, yeah i i don't really like that I was pretty bored by that point. Yeah. And it's not it's not a very long, it's like forty two minutes this record. Yeah. Um So do you think that um people um you knowing more about this band than me, do you think that it's kind of ridiculous that people are saying it's a return to form? Do you agree in any way? Do you totally disagree? I wouldn't I think the idea that this is as good as the very, very best of the Chemical Brothers is pretty ludicrous. But I think it's as good I think it's as good as you can expect from a band of this this age right you shouldn't really go into listening to any band that have been around for 25 years particularly in electronic music mm. particularly who are kind of looking to go back to their 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 basics and you know back to the roots of how they used to create things and expect them to be able to deliver uh you know a groundbreaking record yeah. you know when the chemical brothers came out they were uh they were a uh, part of a movement which was changing how people felt about synthesizers and uh, and the way that music was created completely you know they were a re- you know they were a uniquely revolutionary band they were yeah. you know from the um like i say they were responsible for turning actual dance music into a pop, pop, pop into singles. pop music into yeah. pop, singles. pop singles and and they did it very 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 well yeah. uh, and i think you know those bands that are zeitgeisty this is the thing you know if you become a massive big deal and you're the new thing one day you're not going to be the new thing anymore yeah, of course. and um that's what happened to you isn't it Stephen? that's what happened to <laughs> me yeah i used to be the new thing 
and now and you're now just, just drunk old... on Easter eggs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but you know, like there's enough in it to sort of, I mean, I, I think for like one song that I thought was interesting, I wonder what you thought about it, is The Universe Sent Me, which I think meanders quite a lot, but then ends really well. Uh, it's got that kind of talk, you know, we talked about talk talk and the kind of the, the wall of noise and the, the swell and then, you, you know, the kind of the swell and then the fizzling out of sound. Yes. Um, it's not really a very good song, but I think the end of it is really, it's, it's quite interesting. And I think they've, the fact that they're, they're still at least trying to be varied and they're trying to experiment with different um, ideas and different types of music. You know, there's a lot of funk and a lot of soul on this as mm -hmm. well. There's that big beat sound. Like I mean, there's kind of Afro uh, Caribbean rhythms on it as well. Mm -hmm. There's yeah. plenty of things that aren't quintessentially chemical brothers on this record. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I think that's cool. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? I think yeah. that's a cool thing that they, that they're, they're still at least attempting to do this. And like I say, you know, I don't always think it comes off. But I think the fact that they're trying to do it for a band of their age is, mm -hmm. is good. And yeah. particularly when, you know, I think EDM or whatever is in a pretty sort of sloppy place. You know, particularly from, the, from you know, when you consider the, the commercial heights that Chemical Brothers hit, when you think of the, like I say, the commercial equivalents of, of those sort of bands now, um, of, of them now, mm. like I mentioned, Calvin Harris. Mm. Uh, when you think of the kind of the modern equivalents of what they what they were doing before, yeah, it's so bad. It's so yeah, so bad yeah. that like I think that's why people can go. Well, you know, dance music's moved on and it's left the Chemical Brothers behind, and it's such an exciting you know type of music that it just, but again it's like we said before i think you know to me that's it's just hardware yeah do you yeah. know what i mean it's not about the chemical brothers still feel like musicians to me i listen to a lot of that stuff and i go you've just got you know this is like this is like saying i'm a better linguist than someone else because i speak on an iphone rather than a nokia 310 but it's what you say yes. with that rather than the actual hardware that you're using. And I feel like people uh, in that scene will substitute content and the content of the art that they create with Shiny the hardware toys. that they're yeah. using. Yeah. And I don't think this record... <clears throat> and I, so I think in a lot of ways, I admire this record a lot because it doesn't ever do that. It doesn't conform to that. Quite perfect. And it sounds... Yeah. It doesn't sound old to me anyway, no, but then no. I am old, so I wouldn't really know. I'd be interested to know what a kind of 15, 16-year-old thinks of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that would be interesting, actually. Mm. If you're 15 or 16, tweet us. Because yeah. um, I, I genuinely have no idea, but certainly if you have ever enjoyed the Chemical Brothers in the past and you listen to this record, I'd see no particular reason why you wouldn't enjoy it. Mm. Um, but I think the thing as well, like just to kind of briefly hit on, particularly with the, the Prodigy comparison. Now, we weren't mad keen on the Prodigy album. I thought it was sort of not great, to be honest. I didn't think it was great. And, um, uh, but that did feel like kind of harking back to it, and uh, to, to what mm -hmm. they used to do. Mm -hmm. And the Chemical Brothers have never been quite as aggressive as the Prodigy, and they didn't quite, you know, they weren't as associated heavily with early, early rave. And some of that stuff has that. It just sounds hilarious oh, now. Yeah. Um, but I just think, you know, like I say, when the Chemical Brothers have, they they lean on rhythms and they lean on, you know, soul and funk music so much that ultimately, I don't really think this sounds dated because I don't think Marvin Gaye will ever sound dated. 
I don't think Stevie Wonder will ever sound dated. I don't think, you know, the the Temptations will ever sound dated. And they they pick on stuff that James Brown's not ever going to sound, that those songs aren't ever going to sound dated because they're too good. Mm. And although, yeah. I'm, you know, I think that's kind of, that's quite a stretch to put the Chemical Brothers, this album, yeah. in, in that kind of company. But I don't think it's a stretch to put the Chemical Brothers at their best in that company. And the fact that they still can sort of sound like the band that they were mm. and still sound interesting and different and like they're, you know, prepared to take to challenge themselves artistically. I I think this album's pretty good. Yeah, I, I I see what you're saying in terms of like the the elements that they um draw from are quite timeless. Yeah. So as a result, because the palette that they're using is quite timeless, they come off as relatively timeless. I agree with that in terms of the content of the music. In terms of the way it's put together, I'm not so sure. But um, but I do understand what you're saying. I definitely would say that Chemical Brothers are dated. Dated. I'm not even sure if dated is the right word, to be honest. I don't think it is. But, you know, they, it's, it still sounds good, I think. Mm. I think, anyway. But mm. like you said, we're two old men. So who knows? Who knows? But, yeah, I'm, I think this is all right, this record. I think it's pretty good. I didn't expect it to be... Will you return to it? Uh, yeah, I mean, certainly a few of the tracks. I mean, like I say, I think definitely without any any shadow of a doubt we've got to try is a okay. fucking tune that's interesting that is a massive tune it's um, quite interesting the way that this album has been uh, sequenced is quite interesting because um yeah all of the four singles are on the second half of the album i believe yeah well um, that's kind of uh, i would say the more interesting end of the record you think so it's the more interesting end of the record i mm. think you know you've got bango and nojo on the title track um in the first half and then you've got some odd ones in the second half. Mm. Um, but I think the odder ones, you know, they've released a couple of the odder ones yeah. as, as singles. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, it is, yeah, it's a bit of a weird sequencing. But I think, you know, you kind of start off getting a fairly Chemical Brothers-y sounding album. Uh, yeah, and then it ends maybe not being quite as quintessentially Chemical Brothers. Yeah. But it's decent, I think. I'm re- I'm, re- I'm going to rep for it. No, fair. I mean, please do because you you. This is one of those instances where I feel like I almost don't have a. I don't have too much of a um, stake in the. I mean, I, I'm just I, like I said right at the beginning. I've just never been a big Chemical Brothers fan, and I don't think I ever am going to be. So it's going to be difficult for me to like. Th- these are the hardest records to review in a sense. Because yeah. you have to try. Well, you say on. that we're about to do. That. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Oh, I forgot. So let's let's do that now. But um, <laughs> yeah, you're right. I know what you're saying. You're not um, a massive fan of this stuff, but you can think you can appreciate that it's. A l- y- yes, yes, I can appreciate it's good. A lot of what I have just said is probably going to be echoed <laughs> in mm. about five minutes' time. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that's no geography by the Chemical Brothers. It is out now. I tell you what else is out now. Life Metal by Sun. Yeah, that's Sun O. Close bracket, close bracket, close bracket uh, to give them <laughs> their written title. Uh, I thought they were called Sun O for years and years and years, and they're not. No, the no. the O and the brackets are meant to represent a speaker. Oh, okay. Um, and sound emanating out of the speaker, which mm. makes an awful lot of sense because when I have spoken to people who get Sun, um, they have talked about how important the reverberations and the volume 
of what they do is. Now, for those unfamiliar with Sun, they are a Seattle-based doom drone band. Are you happy with that? Yeah, well, so this is... It's Greg O'Malley... Uh, sorry, Stephen, Stephen, Stephen O'Malley and Greg Anderson. Um, this is the eighth album from their experimental drone doom project. Sure. N- none of that's incorrect, but yes, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, they have become the kind of, I guess, against all the odds, have become one of the most name-checked bands in more, I hate to use the word, hipster, but I can't think of one which easily sums up exactly what I'm talking about straight away. The um, I've spoken about how I think it's cool that mainstream media, more highbrow parts of the media, more... Uh, more people who are more interested in what you usually be, you know, who would usually be interested in the Smiths or Bowie or whatever, um, or you know, or Tom Waits, uh, mm-hmm. are now looking at metal bands and going, mm-hmm. I can see there is some value to them. Sun have become kind of uh, the go-to name-checkable band mm. for those sort of people yeah i think you might be right um i believe jarvis cocker picked them for the meltdown festival at the south bank center a few okay. years ago yeah um they get a lot of coverage in broadsheet newspapers yeah well we were talking about you were talking about how scott walker made those forms of music so much more um uh it was okay for mainstream sources to now talk about them in a highbrow sense yes and you posited the theory that Part of that was down to Scott Walker working with Sun back in 2000. I think that probably helped, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> certainly helped Sun. I think Sun uh, are just the sort of most obliquely difficult ones to yeah. listen to. So what? what is, what, what is your... I, we've never discussed Sun. I, no. I have no idea if you like Sun or not. I wanted to like them. Yes. Uh <laughs> To be perfectly honest, I wanted to like them. Um, I got number four, the one with the, the white cover, the white and kind of orange cover. White two, is that called? White I think. two. Yeah, that may be. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've even looked at it, mm-hmm. to be honest. Mm-hmm. But I got that. Um, and I gave it a lot of goes. I mean, I like Goat Snake as well. So um, Goat Snake, Rebecca, they're in Goat Snake or um, Stephen O'Malley was in Goat Snake. Yep. And I thought that, that album was really, really good. And uh, so I did have quite sort of high hopes for it and people going, oh my God, it's a heavy, it's the heaviest thing ever. Um, and I thought, you know, I feel like I'm sort of missing something here. Yeah. Maybe. Mm. Uh, I saw them live at Hellfest in 2006. 16 i want to say okay and it was incredibly unenjoyable right uh, <laughs> wow okay i think i tweeted son currently doing a cover of teenage dirtbag <laughs> at the time and loads of people actually went oh they it's like i wish they would to be honest um <laughs> it was just felt uh nothing has you know even when talking about scott walker and how difficult that record is to listen to. And, you know, is it art? Is it meant to be enjoyable? What's it about? Is it, do you know what I mean? Like how we spoke all that, you know, we, we mentioned Scott Walker before. With Sun, I really don't 
really, really, really don't know what the intention is at this, especially at this point, because I know they've worked with Attila from Mayhem, and they've worked with like I said Scott Walker as well. They've worked with various different yeah, vocalists yeah, over, yeah, over yeah, the time, yeah. and I think there's a way in which they can work with a vocalist. I mean, I have to say, the first track on here is sort of a song. It's sort, it's of. sort of a song. Um, the vocalist is, let me see if I can get this pronunciation right, is Hilda Guanadotir. Guan, Guanadotir. Yeah. Who is a, an Icelandic cellist. Mm -hmm. And it drones and it's slow mm -hmm. and there's not really much. But it, but because of her, it feels like it builds. She gives can, it some, she gives you something to cling on to. Yeah. In and amongst these really long, despondent, droning chords, which do last around 20 seconds each which is mm. a long time when you're listening yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the, you know there's songs on here that are 25 minutes long yes this is four songs four over songs. 69 minutes yeah it's not it's not easy to listen to this obviously because it's sun it's not I think it's meant to be obviously um i think my big problem with it remfrey is that i i've said a whole bunch of times What's interesting and exciting for me about extreme metal is that you work within a very, very tight prism of what you can do. But the fun and the the artistic interests, uh, the interesting artistic things you can do is how do you maneuver interestingly and bring new things in, even though you have to kind of quite stick quite rigidly to a formula. Now, yep. to me... At this point, eight albums in, mm. I, I, this is this is like ACDC at this point for I'm, me. I I'm think. nodding very very slowly to uh, mimic Sun, but yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. I don't know what you can do that would mean you are you need to have eight albums of this. No, so I um, I was discussing. I didn't even know at the at this point with my uh, Holy Royal crew, shout out Holy Royal crew, um, heading up to Roadburn Sun. And um, I was admitting to them that I'd never really penetrated them, never really got into them. I didn't really understand it. Um, and they were saying, uh, they were asking what albums I had, and I mentioned Canon. And they were like, oh, you don't start with Canon. Don't start with Canon. The one you want is Black One. And Southern Lord, who do Sun, were at roadburn they had a distro and black one was there so i picked it up and i in order to prepare for this review i was like right i need to i've been told that black one is one of their best works so i'm going to listen to black one and then i'm going to listen to life metal and i'm going to compare the two and they both sound exactly the fucking same pretty much they are both really long drony hypnotic records and i like in a weird way, in in a strange um, watching static on the television kind of way. Oh God, are people going to get that reference? You know what static on the television? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Well, I like do. The, yeah. the white snow on a yeah. old TV screen. In the same way that that can be hypnotic, I find Sun hypnotic. I will I will say that all all of their albums, all the ones that I've heard, and I've now heard this. I think this is the fifth Sun record I've heard. Yeah, I don't know why I bothered listening to five, but. Um, they do draw you in in a hypnotic sort of sense. I, I I never feel like I, I never feel like 
despite their albums being over an hour long, I never actually feel like they're an hour long, but it's almost because it's hypnotized me into this weird droning thing that's going on in the background. But I couldn't tell you that this album is any better than any of the other albums they've done because they just, to me, they don't sound all that different. You know, Mm. the trick is the same. And, you know, Sun Live, I mean, you obviously didn't feel this, but Sun Live are meant to be this amazing experience because we should say that they're a three piece with no drums. Yeah. So there's no drums in anything that they do. So they just whack everything up to, I mean, 11, but really 11 stupid is the, you know, accurate term. So it's really fucking loud to the point where you can basically feel the music, uh, not just sort of hear it. Um, and I think that's where Sun's meant to work, but I haven't experienced that. And it obviously didn't work for you. And it I don't was at a festival where the, the sure. sun was shining. Do you know what I mean? Like oh. it was sunny outside and they were, play, they were playing in a tent, but it was obviously like the whole sides are open. So it wasn't that dark. All the, it was just red lights and smoke and something going. And that was yeah. sort of it really. Yeah. And it didn't really work. And a vocalist never came on. And I thought, well, this just, this is a long time waiting for for something to happen. And you're yeah. right, like you can put this record on and it, but th- I think that's kind of half of the problem of it as well. It's like when, when I we like so as a comparative type of artist even though they're a very very different type of artist. When we did Oliver Arnold's, I can put that on and it kind of it doesn't need to dominate your Yes, what you're doing. Yes. You, you know, you can it can it can kind of exist in the periphery of your mind and you can listen to it. And then you can, at the end of it, when it finishes, you suddenly go, Oh, Oh, it's finished. But Hmm. it sort of stays with you. Whereas sun, like you say, it is hypnotic and it doesn't always quite feel like an hour, but at the same time, you can't really enjoy it in the background. And I don't really think there's enough when you concentrate on it for you to really get much out of it. And I do really, I I think that's brilliantly put. And and I and I you know I and I think you know I don't know what is meant to be aimed where like Scott Walker is visceral, yeah. It's hard and it's horrible, and it's difficult, but it's emotional and yeah. it's visceral and it it, ne- it demands your attention yes. throughout. Well, that's the key thing, isn't it? Mm. Scott Walker during the drift, anyway, will not. You might you might wander a little bit, but then he will do something to make sure you're still paying attention. Some don't seem particularly preoccupied in keeping your attention. Almost. No, you will look at it and you'll go, and you'll suddenly go, oh, 25 minute long song's been on for 16 minutes yeah. now. Yeah. And it actually, it did only feel like three minutes, but is that because I've not been paying attention to it and well, nothing's happened? Yeah. Or, and you know, how much yeah. can you do with, like on this record, like I say, I think, you know, between... Uh, Seepaneer's Breath, which is the first song, I was like, oh, good. I'm not just going to get a droney Sun album. Yeah. And then the rest of it is it's a, droney sun, a droney sun album. Do you know what else as well? This is the first. Yes, there's a th- second. There's, there's apparently a more, what are they, I think they said a more ethereal, um, a more meditative <laughs> version uh, of this coming out called Pyroclast is yeah. coming out later in yeah. the year. Which actually sounds more appealing to me, if I'm honest. Yeah, me too. But... I'm will it just not, go? <laughs> but I'm still not in a massive rush to hear it. If mm. it makes sense, have you seen those? You know, um, round again, East London. This kind of uh, 
uh, hipster thing comes up, these uh, black metal yoga classes springing up around East London and I'm sure trendier parts of other places in the country. Uh, no, I haven't, no. Okay, okay. So black metal yoga is a thing. Mm. Um, and I think they do tend to just put sun albums on and then do yoga to it. And you can... Well, sun aren't a black metal band, so they're not true. Hey. I'm going to send Varg Vikernes around there to have I them did... stabbed in the neck. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't title <laughs> the record. I didn't. No, I know. I'm not thing. blaming you, man. But yeah, yeah, yeah. They are called there. Or I think they do do metal ones as well. So maybe there is a distinction there. But mm. I'm just. I'm. I'm making a bit of an assumption. I've not been surprisingly. Uh, but um, I would. I mean, if I were help holding one, I would probably put Sun on because it's like I can see yeah. how it would work. In yeah, that it would work. But the thing is, is you know, I, I I feel like I don't know. I don't want to slag them off really because I know they're incredibly well respected and I. Just um, almost guarantee, much like Atari Teenage Riot, we'll get people tweeting us going, "You don't get it, right?" I'm sure we yeah, will. I, I'm sure we will. But actually, to be honest, I, I, in a, you know, provided you're not going to be a cunt about it, I do actually want to hear from those people because, like, if anyone can open up Sun to me, I would be really intrigued as yeah. to what I mean, it is. I've I've listened to a bunch of bits and bobs and that one album, but. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know, man. You've got I to listen to Black One, mate. That's the I've one. got to listen to oh, that's the yeah. best sort of droning, <laughs> isn't it? Well, that's uh, it. You know, like, there is very little difference. I mean, there's one point in Black One where it gets really, 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 really loud, which made me go, oh. And then for the rest of the album, I was like, oh, okay. Um, you know, I mean, there's just... got to be some sort of benefit from it. But I just think there are so many... Here's the thing as well. Like, there are so many really 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 good bands yeah who do yeah. really really genuinely interesting dynamic difficult yeah music right yeah, yeah and i don't think that like i say this is like acdc in a lot of ways to me it's just the same bloody it's like the ramones you're getting a bit enemy there yeah i know yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah um uh, but you, but you know what i'm saying don't you like to yes, me it's like yeah it might be exactly. 25 minutes long but it is still ultimately it's the same song, just like yeah. you know, every song by the Ramones kind of sounds the yes. same. It's yes. just they're done in two minutes. And minutes. It all sounds the same, you know. And and if you like that, then you fucking that's that's great. That's a good. That's probably a good thing. Yeah. I just don't know how. I don't know how anyone could sit here and say to me, uh, like, if someone can explain to me how Black One is different from Life Metal or exactly. whatever, then go for it. And I'm sure I can probably, you know, I can sit there and tell you how fucking. Rocket to Russia is completely different from the self-titled Remains album. Of course I can, because I like it. But that's the thing. I would be curious to know. I mean, there probably are hardcore Sun fans out there who can do this. But I would love to do an experiment where you get a random Sun fan and a random ACDC fan and play them five seconds of a random track and they have to actually, by their respective bands, they have to say which song it is from which album. It would be quite easy to do ACDC, to be fair. It would be, no, that's that's my point. It would be incredibly easy with ACDC. And with Sun, I think it would be practically impossible. Mm. Um, and this is the thing, whilst they may be ACDC in that sense, that they are effectively doing the same thing over and over again, to our ears at least. Um, they <laughs> they have something more substantial and interesting in their music, I think, unless I'm missing this big thing, which no one seems to be able to tell me. Yeah. But, you know, I've seen a few rev- reviews for this and they're like, oh, yeah, it's one of the best Sun records. It's amazing. And I'm like, okay. Fair enough. Like, it sounds like all the other ones to me. But this is a band as well. I mean, we should say they've just been announced for the Roundhouse. 
in London. Yeah, they're massive. Which is 3,000 capacity. And the way that people are talking about that gig, I think it might sell out, you know. <laughs> I yes. actually think it might. Yeah. Uh, the way people are like, oh my God, son, oh my God. Yeah. Like people are genuinely fucking thrilled. Yeah. And maybe it's totally different live. I don't know. I doubt I it. I wouldn't mind seeing that. I'd be yeah. interested to see that I'm because curious. it was not the one at Hellfest, but you know. Um, also, last thing for me, Steve Albini produced this. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like I can tell Steve Albini's production. Mm-hmm. And this is telling because I was like, oh, Steve, oh, okay. I would never oh, really? have known Steve Albini produced it. I mean, I, I think one thing I will say about the production is it does sound fucking massive. But then, you know, in that raw Steve Albini way, I mean, you do feel as if it's almost as if you can feel the volume, even if you've turned it down very low you can feel that they recorded it at mm. a ridiculous volume even when turned down and i wouldn't yeah. recommend listening to this record turned down because that's clearly not the way sun want you to listen to it but they've captured that very well which mm. i think is brilliant but at the same time i'm not interested or moved in any way by the music at no. all it's, it's funny it's funny talking about because we've discussed post-rock bands in the past that don't emotionally move you I think, you know, like, I mean, the, the, for me, I don't know if this is the case for you, but for me, that new mono record is like the Shawshank Redemption compared to this. Do you know what I mean? In terms of emotionally moving yeah. me in some way, shape or form. I don't need you to agree, but, yeah. you know, you can see the massive well, I, difference. Yeah. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, <clears throat> it's certainly, you know, even for that mono record, which I felt like did, did very little at all, mm. certainly does a lot more than this. Yeah, yeah. I think anyway, it was an interesting, it's an interesting thing, son, because you kind of want to, you want to be in on it. And I think at this point, I'm just like, I, I don't know. You're just not a, you, you've got a, you, you've got a formula. You've got a trick. Yeah, 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 like yeah. to my ears, it's, yeah, that's, you do a thing. You might have just, been, oh, there's 15 seconds between the seven yeah. chords rather than 20. It's um, an incredibly unusual trick and not many people do it. I, I don't think I know anyone else who do it to the no, extent really. that some do. No. But is that in and of itself? I suppose this is the question you need to ask, though. Like people say the same thing about Tracy Emin's um, untidy bedroom thing. Um, the modern artist Tracy yeah, Emin. Who, yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically recreated a... Uh, unclean unclean un, un, yeah just a, a messy bedroom. Bedroom, yeah and like people would some people are like oh it's genius some people like his ass but the main uh the main thing sort of trying to justify its existence is saying well you didn't come up with it so maybe it's that maybe sun is the equivalent of modern art in the metal world mm, possibly yeah but is it art? Who knows? Anyway, um, Life Metal by Sun is out right now. Last album before we go into trade-off is from Memory of Elephants. The album is called Beach Balling. It's a debut full-length album from the Bristolian post-rock instrumentalists who you banged on about a fair bit, Renfrey, in the last few weeks. I well, I saw them last week. I think that was yeah. it. Yeah, but to me, well. <laughs> okay. Sorry, not on the podcast. Sorry, that's my fault. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, I was, I have to be honest, especially with Sun, and I've also been listening to the Flaming Lips record as well, which, you know, uh, spoiler alert, is mental. Um, I was like, oh God, here we go. Another one of these fucking albums, one of these fucking instrumental bloody Renfrey core albums coming along. 
And the way you talked about them, I was like, I'm sure they're quite, they're good at what they do and everything, like yada, yada, yada. But I really don't have the fucking patience for it this week. I nearly was like giving you newfound glory and trade off. <laughs> Actually, uh, we'll talk about Graham Cox in a bit. But um, but this is great. It's good, isn't it? This yeah. is fucking great, this record. This is probably one of the easiest records of the entire week. Yeah. <laughs> By quite a, quite a long way. Yeah, I think this album's fucking wicked. This oh, is I'm like so I'm kind of you like it, fun course. version of Battles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's bloody great. I mean, I can. it's funny you say that, because I, I consider... Um, and so I watch you from afar, a fun version of Battles. Amazing. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's... I've not listened to them properly well enough, whilst apart from that one time I yeah it was decent enough. whilst whilst um i mean basically you say post-rock and a lot of the time you think of sort of languid cinematic things but this is far more kind of energetic and yeah i mean there's a punk vibe to it bouncy bouncy dancey yeah. it's it's music to put a smile on your face really. yeah um yeah i've been following these guys for a while because uh they're from bristol obviously mm. where i'm from um they were also fun little fact the first band ever to grace the stage at Half Tangent Festival. Thought you were going to say Slam Dunk then. <laughs> no, I didn't. I knew you weren't going to go a whole episode without mentioning Arc Tangent. Or... Um, but yeah, they they have this cool thing going on. I, mean, I wouldn't say they're the most original band in the world, but they kind of mix psychedelic grooves, I'd mm. say, with like angular, quite Yeah, psychedelic and... grooves and kind of post-hardcore at the drive-in style. More Mars, I think you mentioned Mars Volta before when you were speaking yeah. about it. Yeah, and so there's a kind of Mars Volta-esque um like stabby psychedelic yeah. vibe yeah. to him i think it's very very good this record i think it's an interesting debut i think like i say it's not the most original thing in the world but actually unlike sun they've got songs they've got yeah. songs they've yeah, got yeah. actual songs and um yeah. the sweet spot for me is um zero 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 if that's what it's called triple mm-hmm. zero yep. into scrapsuit mafia yeah which goes from really kind of tranquil to fucking mental yep. over a kind of eight minute period yep. and Never feels. This is the thing about this band is that actually you you mentioned it before about um, getting a bit of emotional resonance from from these sort of instrumental bands, and it is difficult. It's harder, I think, without a without a human without a voice yeah. and a human. I like, understand that. It is, it's sometimes hard. I don't necessarily think that I got anything. I connected with this because of you know the emotion, like emotionally in it, but I think they've just. They, they've actually got really good songs. Yeah. They've actually got really, like, you know, if you were to put a singer on these, I think they could, well, maybe not now, but back in the day, they could have crossed over. Yeah. Like, they're yeah. really kind of jaunty. Yeah. They're really memorable. All the guitar parts are really memorable. All of the, you know, like, it feels like verse, not quite verse, chorus, verse, chorus in this sort of pop punk way or whatever but certainly mm. there's enough hooks and it returns to refrains and you know even the last track yeah the last track's 10 minutes long yeah it's almost 11 minutes long yeah, yeah. and yeah. it doesn't feel like 10 minutes at all nope. Nope. it doesn't feel like 10 minutes that it's last really... riff on that song as well fucking yeah it's got this monster fucking yeah. like hardcore riff and yeah. they just borrow from loads of really loads of stuff that i really really like amazing like uh, well i mean even every like early every time i die I can see that. Like yeah. there's a kind of that kind of schizo, but like chunky every time I die to it. Yeah, there's a that. bit of like Blood Brothers. Mm-hmm. I think is it a bit in there as well. I think you mentioned the Mars Volta, which mm-hmm. is true. Uh, Fall of Troy. Yeah. Um, and um, why well, can't I remember the name of the band who the the like the sort of spacky weirdy like what like 
what are they called? What the big one? Periphery? Tesseract? But like periphery, but... Uh, animals lead? Animals not as animals singers? as leaders. Uh, They've got a singer. Oh, mate, that's going to drive me mad. They're really big. Everyone loves them. They got, they're sort of wacky. This Madonna. Is a, not Madonna. <laughs> um, hold on. You tell me what you think about it. Um, uh, yeah, I, I really like it a lot. I think it's a great, um, great album. I think the manner in which Memory of Elephants play with time signatures gives you an idea of their kind of playfulness. There's a lot of songs. Um, it's displayed really well in the opening riff to uh, I Just Karate Shit My Pants. Great title. Some there. excellent song titles on here. <laughs> and uh, Tiles You're Dead. They kind, of, they kind of judder erratically in and out of half time. Um, and it just it just sounds awesome. It's a really cool trick that they pull off. Um, and I think there's also some. It's not just all sort of bouncy, fun, 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 joy, joy, joy. There's this great track on it called Sex and Sevens, which um, throws us off the beaten math rock path a little bit by introducing violins and a piano. It's quite a beautiful sort of tender track. It also almost reminded me of the more ballady things from uh, Vertigo, Bliss Era, Biffy Clyro kind of thing, you know. Mm. Um, really, really lovely, lovely song. Who's the band? You Protest the Hero. Protest the Hero. Protest right the Hero. Right-o. Yep, yep, yep. Know them, Canadian. <sighs> but you like it. I do like it. Great. I do. I do. I like, um, I like the... Uh... I like the uh, the uh, the song titles as well. <laughs> and I just want to say, um, Sex in Sevens, I Just Karate Shit My Pants, Teflon Wombat. Teflon Wombat's brilliant. Um, Herb is the Toothpaste of the Soul, and Titles You're Dead, which is the last song, um, are all are all good, are yep. all great, yep. in fact. Yep. Uh, totally yeah, really, really good titles. It's not long as well. Again, what is it? Minutes? 40 minutes? 42. <sighs> and the last song's 10 minutes, yep. so... You know, it, it gets does in. bish bash bosh. It a lot. really does. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. one of them is about eight minutes. Another one is about eight minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's also, well, Scrapsuit Mafia that you mentioned is like one minute, 15 seconds. So they play with time. Time. They play with time quite a lot. Yeah. And <laughs> one of the stupidest things I've ever said. Yeah, uh, <laughs> pretty silly, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's really good. It's a really, really good debut record from cool. a band who... I would go, there's not, I tell you what, there's not many of these bands, even when I go like, because I listen to this stuff like a fair bit. I mean, mm. I don't want to paint the picture that, you know, I've, you know, I'm not like some people who would go, oh, I'm not listening to Mogwai. Like, I've got like five Mogwai albums. I'm not like a complete imbecile when it comes to this sort of stuff. I'm just not you. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like do you know what I mean? <laughs> You're like that guy on Alan Partridge. You, you when he goes around his house and he's got Alan Partridge posters all over his wall. That's you with... <laughs> That's you with Mogwai, right? Yeah, fine. <laughs> Whereas I'm just someone who quite likes them. I'm not a weirdo. I'm not going to like send them shit on Valentine's Day in a jiffy bag. Um, and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. baked in a heart shape, my own feces. Uh, that's what you heart do. You're weird. Yeah, you're weirdo. And... <laughs> Uh, so I'm not like that I just like it I'm not a pervert like someone get me a Wikipedia page so we can put all this shit up <laughs> but I I would go in and I, I but I don't and you know I often find myself getting a little bit sort of um, fatigued by what yeah you have an egg why not treat I'm yourself an egg. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, yeah I find myself getting a little bit fatigued by these bands live I would go and watch these guys because I oh, reckon it would they, they, would they would hold your uh, your attention. Do you like Chon? You probably like Chon, don't you? Actually, I'm not a massive Chon fan. Because they played uh, Coachella. Mm. Mm. 
John, sorry, I have a nugget. Shall I continue to talk while you eat Just that? They're good, aren't they? So I not only get a massive white chocolate egg, it's also got small eggs inside it that have got actual salty caramel inside. You've picked the richest thing you could possibly have picked. So nice. Very nice. Um, John seem to have almost crossed over a little bit. Yeah, they have. Which is they? really surprising. Well, they're playing with Ariana Grande last weekend. Do you know what I mean? Is, well, Coachella, like Coachella, yeah. Sorry. We're not on tour with her. <laughs> That's what I thought you meant. <laughs> yeah. Um, They're not coming on to do Nicki Minaj's bit in Bang Bang <laughs> with, with Jessie J. And Tron are a very, very technical instrumental band. And um, I never, ever would have guessed that they would cross over in the way that they have. John, for me, like incredibly talented and all that sort of thing. But they suffer from the problem that... Um, you have occasionally with these records and that I just don't really like feel anything I kind of watch them and go you're very talented boys yeah but you know I can't but I this don't get is that better this. this is better yeah this yeah, is better I agree. yeah I agree so anyway um, Memory of Elephants Beach Balling it's another one of the ones that you presumably give this album of the week we don't normally um, do that but well we don't do that this week I would but, yeah, but, but we I don't do that always we wouldn't always give this album album of the week no <laughs> It's not. It's only out this week, so you wouldn't be able to do that. I thought you were insinuating that I'd always give the post rock record the record of the week. No, no, no. I just meant in this, in amongst, because I would this week. Yeah, this week. Yeah. Come yeah. On. Mm. It's it's the only good album. As much as I think the Chemical Brothers record is uh, is decent mm. and has got some fucking great songs on it, I'm not sure it's a good album. And a Sun album, I. I I just I don't, I don't no understand. idea. So, but this is actually a good record. Yeah, I'd I give think this it's a great. full blown eight out of ten if we were marking out of ten, or four or four Ks if you want me to do I'd that. I'd probably give guys. it eight out of ten. Yeah, Crane, if you're listening, if you want me to come and write, yeah. <laughs> do you? Nah, not really. Karan gave a uh, life metal four out four Ks. Did they? And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, I don't know how you could give. I don't know how that works. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> carry on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, they're allowed to think that. Of course, they've probably got someone who really likes it. Well, them. Nick Ruskell wrote it, and, yeah. and he knows his shit uh, exactly. about that yeah. kind of thing. I so, had and, a feeling. and I'm not. I wouldn't, you know, say that he didn't. I'm just saying. Well, I don't know how. I wouldn't say that he didn't. I don't know how one comes to a score with a Sun record. Is what yeah, I'm difficult. To say. Very, very difficult. Anyway. I have no like. I'm, I'm not a massive fan of life metal, but I don't know what. I, I have no idea what I'd give it out of ten. I just don't know. Excellent. So, uh, that's me admitting that's I can't do my job properly. Yeah, uh, that's Memory of Elephants. It's called Beach Balling. It's out now. It's very, very good indeed. Right, let's go to Trade Off. So, you gave me, Renfrey, you gave me a band called Down I Go. Uh, their album is called Your Lucky God That I Cannot Reach You. It came out in 2015 on Holy Raw. It was at this point, Renfrey, where I thought, oh, it came out on Holy Raw, and I've never heard of this band before. It was at this point, Renfrey, that I thought, hmm. I'm probably going to quite like this, aren't I? Oh, no. And then when I started playing it, at first I went, I definitely am going to like this, aren't I? Definitely. And then I played it a bit more and I thought, fucking hell, I really like this. (laughs) And then by the end, I felt like getting in the DeLorean and going back to my 2015 self and giving him a slap (laughs) <laughs> for not even knowing that this was a thing because this album is absolutely fucking brilliant excellent this album is so brilliant oh brilliant cool um i why? might give this 
my album of the year for 2019, even though it didn't come out this year. Oh, it's going to be that yes. and Acton Baby, one and two, <laughs> every year, and Dosha Dreams. That's going to be the best three albums ever, forever. Fucking hell, you like it a lot. Oh, mate, I think this is abs- this is an outstanding record. Why? Oh, it's just. I, for a start, I have no idea what type of band this is. Nope, neither do I. I have no idea. They're in, that, at some points, they sound like an indie band. Or they sound like the kind of Interpol or like Smithsy, mm-hmm. or um, and sometimes they sound like a punk band, a kind mm-hmm. of rollicking punk band in the vein of someone like Hot Water Music. Mm-hmm. And then often they sound like just a full blown hardcore band, much mm-hmm. like kind of metallic hardcore, like Every Time I Die yep. or even Poison the Well. Sometimes they sound like at the drive-in. Mm-hmm. Um, and throughout, they have a brass section, which yeah. makes them sound like I don't. I don't even know. I don't even know if I've. I, I'm not sure I've heard a a, a a a a punk or hardcore band using brass like this ever. Not like this. No. I mean, I always argue that the Voodoo Glow Skulls are not a ska punk band. They're oh. just a hardcore band with trumpets. Oh. But they are sort of a ska punk band, really. They're just yeah. a really, 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 really fast one. They're like Minor Threat played with trumpets. Mm-hmm. And that's... But they don't sound like this at all. And I don't know what I don't know what this sounds like. And that is really exciting. Yeah, I agree. I would very... Bro- if I were allowed one word to genreify them, I would very broadly call them hardcore. But that really isn't... That's really just the tip of the iceberg. Um... They are just very noisy and abrasive and unusual, and you have no idea where they're going to go next. This is, in my opinion, their best album. Um, I know about Down I Go because they are... Well, he said so in the past. I don't know if he'd still agree with this, but they are Jamie Lemon's favourite ever band. Yeah, I read that on their Wikipedia page. Mm. Um, Jamie actually guests on this album. He does lead vocals on the fourth song. Something about Skeggy? I can't the remember. slaying of Skeggy. That's it. So this is about Iceland and the history of Iceland. Oh, a, yes. As an aside. Yes, I forgot to say that, actually. It was actually recorded and um, uh, written in Iceland. Was it? Okay. I believe so. It, it was... They they had actually... Down and Go had actually split up. They were a London trio. Right. And they'd released... I mean, to begin with, their albums seemed... I don't want to put... You know, I don't want to say that they were sort of a joke but their first album for example was called this is robot core and had songs named after robots their second album was something like 20 minutes long it was called this is dino core and all the songs were named after yeah. dinosaurs yeah you know so at first it all just seemed like a bit of a joke wacky wacky Wee. um but then as it went on i mean they did do this is disaster core as well which was actually a really good record um, but all the songs were named after natural disasters or disasters <laughs> that had happened, like Hindenburg and stuff like that. Uh, they did Dictator, where all the songs are named after <laughs> dictators. So basically, they started just, just this really weird band that you just go, eh, with. Still very interesting, especially as they went along and had a very unique kind of sound, an unusual sound, but um, yeah, an odd band. And then they split up because um, all three of them went to live in totally different parts of the world. Right. And it just made it very difficult for them to come back together. But there was a small hardcore fraternity of people begging for them to come back. And this was their, you know, comeback album, if you will. Mm. Um, and 
for my money is the best thing they've done it's absolutely brilliant this record it's really good yeah and they seem to be a band who are very like you say a very very small dedicated group of people yeah. are totally obsessed with and yes. i can absolutely see why yeah. because i feel like this will be one of those records a bit it, it's got a touch of the dosi dream style how i feel about it because straight away i was like oh god i, I want to fast forward to the 10th listen now where i've soaked up loads of it but yeah. i haven't soaked up all of it and i mean how many times i listen to this usually you give me something on trade-off and because it's like the end of the show or whatever unless it's something really very difficult um i will probably listen to it sort of two three four times mm -hmm. i reckon i've listened to this nine wow. ten times holy shit that's amazing okay it's fucking great so and i don't know it. where it's going still still yeah. surprises me every time yeah. i think it's really really good um there's yeah. a and what's mo most surprising thing is the horn section used to be in the band jesse james yes yes who were rubbish <laughs> <laughs> like they were rubbish <laughs> um you'll probably be pleased to know that there's a sort of i guess a b-sides uh uh, bonus disc for this album called Iceland Extras um, right. just stuff that they recorded in Iceland which didn't actually make the record um, but of a similar sort of ilk uh, which is just eight additional songs including a Sammy Davis Jr. EP it's all very like there's a lot of references to cultural stuff and things yeah. that happen throughout but it's um, yeah they're just I really wanted to bring them in at some point just because they are a bizarre bonkers crackers band which we should, should definitely talk about at some yeah, point yeah they are i believe they are back in the studio but whether that means they're still like a band or not i don't know if that's mm. the case or not um if you just want a small primer to get into down i go i would massively recommend the video to poseidon which uh is just brilliantly brilliantly created and crafted it looks like it's been created by a bunch of sort of four or five year, year olds but in a really wonderful way um but yeah they are a brilliant brilliant band i don't know if they're going to be doing shows or not i mean it's quite difficult with them being all over the place at the moment yeah but um but they are still doing new material so that's good news and um yeah i'm thrilled that you loved it i like it a lot a real 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 lot real, so real, real lot. there you go down i go the album is called You're Lucky God That I Cannot Reach You. And that's probably the most serious album title, isn't it? Because when you've got Dino Core and yeah. Tater and all. I love bands who have. <laughs> I like, you know, bands with not silly names, but when you've got a theme throughout the thing and you go, what's that? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The, you know, the Chariot used to do that quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. cool. And they're good. So you do that. Um, right. I gave you happiness in magazines by graham coxon uh which is his fifth studio album which was released on the 17th of may 2004 at this point he had left blur so mm -hmm. graham coxon um for the uninitiated and i'm sure most people know who graham coxon is graham coxon was the guitarist in blur who played guitar obviously during you know the uh the brit pop years the oasis wars the park life phenomenon all that stuff the oasis wars <laughs> well it was wasn't it um <laughs> Uh, Graham Coxon, Blur, interesting band. Now, we're going to talk about uh, on Writer's Review about Blur um, and Magic Whip, their comeback album, um, we're going to be doing very, very soon. So I won't go too far into Blur, um, but what I will say about Blur is they, more than any band from that scene at that time, I think you had the Gallagher Brothers, you had Jarvis Cocker, you had Tom York and maybe Johnny Greenwood as well. Um, a lot of the bands from the Britpop era were mostly um 
one or two people within a band and then some other people just stood in the background. Uh, whereas Blur were definitely, for my money, the most individualistic band where you kind of knew all four of them. You had yes. Damon Albarn, the kind of chirpy, cheeky, cockney, oh, um, sort of art, art school, like good looking layabout. You had Alex James, this kind of elegantly wasted, foppish bass player. Uh, you had Dave Roundtree, who was the drummer. And you had <laughs> Graham Coxon, who was very, very obviously the sort of nerdy. Um, he wore glasses. He was. He yeah, must have been a nerd. He, was, he must have been a nerd. But he was. He was a sort of yeah. nerdy, music obsessive, awkward genius of the band. Uh, if there is a genius in Blur to be discussed. So I always felt that Graham Coxon was my member of Blur. Your guy. Yeah, hmm. I think. He's the one who most... Do you know what I mean? He was into pavement and he talked yeah. about sort of interesting alt-rock bands and he released these sort of self-released, self-recorded um, demo records of his own material, which was sort of... Um, like skate punk and uh and weird sort of ambient noise and post sort of post rock soundscapes that were put out when he was the guitarist in one of the biggest bands in britain mm. um and a lot of those albums aren't great uh but due to the continued success of blur and um the stress i guess of being a sort of a piece of tabloid property most of the members of Blur went off the rails a bit. Graham Coxon went off a little bit harder than most people and uh, was treated for alcoholism um, around the time of Think Tank, 2003. Uh, it's been insinuated that Graham Coxon was, um, was not needed, or so Graham Coxon says. He felt that there was an insinuation that he was unnecessary to the, the creation of Think Tank uh, so he left the band completely. You can kind of see that in a way. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I like Think Tank. I like Think Tank. I think it's a, a good record. Mm. But Blur without Graham Coxon don't really feel like Blur yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, and I think it was inevitable they were going to break up once he left. And they did. Um, but anyway, what happened after that? was Graham Coxon released this in May 2004, on the 17th of May 2004, his fifth solo album, Happiness in Magazines. Um, his biggest hit, it hit number 19 in the UK album chart. It actually went gold. Um, it features the song Freaking Out, which is his biggest hit and a fucking tune to boot. So Renfrey, having given the massive preamble on Graham mm -hmm. Coxon, what are you saying about happiness in magazines? Um, it's quite underwhelming, really, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> okay, Steve doesn't agree. I, um, well, I think some of it is. Well, after all that preamble, um, sort of the genius in Blur, the guy who kind of, maybe maybe he's sort of considered the guy who creates a lot of the weird, wonderful sounds of Blur almost, sometimes. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's true. And this happiness in magazines is a pretty straight ahead garage rock record. Yeah. It's about the closest I could get. Yep, I think um, so. But it's very, even though I can't 100% pin it down, it's a pretty straight laced record. It is, yeah. 
Um, and with a fairly straight-laced performance, I almost felt like he was borrowing a little bit from Mockney Damon. Um, uh, like People of the Earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, I found it, how long was it? It's like 42 minutes, 45 minutes. 45 like minutes and one second. I found it perfectly enjoyable in that time, but not mm. an awful lot else happened to be totally honest. I thought it was, thought it was fine. I was a little bemused as to why you gave it to me. And I, I felt like there was something deeper that I should be getting and I wasn't sure what it was. Right. And I'm wondering if you're going to reveal that to me. Or... I, just, <laughs> I think... Um, we have been talking a lot recently about um, kind of uh, backlashes to commercial success. We spoke about Damien Rice last week. Um, we spoke about Periphery not giving a shit. You know, I guess yeah. we spoke about Cahill and Cambria and making a more condensed record and, you know, doing something quite grandiose afterwards. And that tends to often be the way of it. Um What's interesting, I think, about this record is that Graham Coxon essentially left Blur as the the kind of the enigmatic one in Blur, the the kind of the the one who you never quite knew what Graham Coxon was going to do, the mm-hmm. very very sort of super talented Graham Coxon, the one who makes like you say all the weird interesting parts in yeah. the Blur songs, left that at a time when Blur were turning into a very, very different band from Part Life, Oi Oi, Tracy Jacks, yeah, like End of the yeah, Century, yeah. you know, fucking Hammond Organ, down the old dog track in Walthamstow, mm-hmm. all that stuff mm-hmm. was long gone from Blur at that point. And they were still a massive band, but when you listen to, I guess, stuff like Tender and, um, you know, well, he sings Coffee and TV, like two huge yeah. singles, but are singles that are really, really different. From, very different to one another. Um, and if you listen to, I think one of the last songs they did with when they did the, the Blur Greatest Hits is On Your Own, which is this quite odd kraut rock crossed with almost like chumba wumba pop, if you've ever heard that song before. Do you know that song? Where you're on your own. It's got this yeah. weird, like almost theremin, psychedelic theremin thing in the background. Okay. Um, it's not necessarily a great song, but it's an in, it's certainly an interesting song. And I was like, oh, that's quite interesting. It sort of harks back to the sort of choruses of the old days, but it's got a really weird musical canvas around it so um so yeah um so it's kind of it was you listen to the new blur and you think that's probably got a lot to do with graham coxon and particularly when they released their self-titled album and it was like oh don't they love pavement everyone pointed the finger at graham coxon going there's the guy who's driving the ship right now what i think is interesting about this record like i bought this record and and you're quite right i think it's fairly unremarkable Mm. but it's good it's enjoyable it's It's enjoyable in a you know like you say uh, a bloke sitting in his bedroom or his garage or his own private studio and flushing out a load of sort of throwaway fairly kind of throwaway but perfectly enjoyable rock songs not yeah. really spending too much time thinking about the production or what it sounds like or what it looks like or how it feels just kind of jamming it all out live and yeah and, and, and actually it should be said that this is a solo album in the yeah. sense that he does he plays he all plays of the everything. main instruments yeah there, there are like there's a little bit of string a little bit of french yeah. horn yeah um there's some organ and, stuff, and yeah. piano on it a bit and there are a few other people doing it but it is essentially it is all graham coxon yeah. and i just think it's very interesting to to one to be able to to take that into the top 20 of the uk album charts at a time when albums were 
being sold and it was still mm-hmm. you know uh hard you know it was hard to to get to that position in the album chart and mm-hmm. and two because it's sort of the flip of what we've been talking about previously which is you've left a very very inter- and you know again think tank is a completely different blur album yeah to even 13 you know and it's a really yeah. Oh, really yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of quite a vast step away and you know when when you listen to you know there's no other way or one of the like something from leisure mm-hmm. uh <laughs> barely recognizable as the same band and i think the blur sort of the, the way blur progressed throughout their career is really interesting yeah graham coxon left this band sort of being pinned as the most interesting member of blur to go and do something really straightforward. Well, that's what I find so odd with it because I was, I, I don't really know what I was expecting because I'd never listened to any Graham Coxon yeah. solo stuff before. Um, but I wasn't expecting something as straight ahead as this. I suppose that's, that's why I keep, I mean, there's nothing wrong with straight ahead. Neil Young's straight ahead mm. and I fucking love him, you know. But I, um, yeah, I just, I didn't find it particularly, uh, you know, I wasn't overwhelmed. I wasn't underwhelmed. Can you just be whelmed? You know, yeah. <laughs> like I was just, I was like, yeah, it's a perfectly fine, decent way to spend 45 minutes. I'm not sure why you would choose to leave Blur to do this. Um, but well, I think he just felt unwanted at the time. Yeah, I guess so. And I guess this is a reaction to, uh, it, it's one of those times where musicians don't often admit that they've fallen out of love with music. Mm. And, you know, we always hear Metallica going, oh, we're going to go back. We need to rediscover what it means to be Metallica. Mm. I think Graham Coxon obviously is rediscovering who he was yeah, on, this, quite possibly. on this album. Quite possibly. And maybe he's not the person that people necessarily thought he was. Yeah, yeah. And actually, as the years have gone on, you would probably look at Damon and go, well, Damon's done the good the bad and the queen he's done gorillas and actually he is more musically dexterous yes and more creative yes than than graham and you know but but graham coxon when i was growing up it was always like well no graham like oh yeah yeah you like to all the all the people would go like all the guys would go to girls like yeah oh yeah you know obviously you fancy damon but he's just the kind of pretty boy who sings the stuff whereas graham coxon's the guy who Mm. and that was the sort of the party line that got towed with Mm. with 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 blur and it, i don't think it's true um i gave you this because i just thought that was a really interesting dichotomy yeah sure. uh and also i think there's some good songs on this i mean i've always said about freaking out i think that's great people of the earth i think is really mm-hmm. really brilliant um and hilarious as well like just silly as fuck and and and, and really good um bottom bunk's good <laughs> like you know they're if you like stuff like the ramones i think you'll like this this is silly yeah. kind of yeah. childish th- fairly throwaway garage rock music yeah yeah and it's cool it's um i'm gonna draw quite a strange comparison and i'm not sure if you're going to like it or not but um in the manner in which it was put together it reminds me very much of the first Foo fighters record yeah um it's a bunch of songs which he probably had in his canon for a little while which he almost just wanted to he recorded everything on them he just wanted to get them out of his head and onto tape or digital in this case probably um and put them out into the world and see what happened kind of thing and that's mm. you know that i you know i don't know if you agree but that that first Foo fighters record to me is remains one of their best albums and oh I, definitely I yeah first two it. great yeah i love the first record and 
that kind of throwaway nature of those songs, you know, just calling a track floaty or good grief or whatever, like you don't like it's a demo title, you know. Mm. Um I think maybe doing that maybe exposes how talented a uh, songwriter one is, maybe. Yeah. And in Dave Grohl's case he made Foo Fighters and in Graham Cox's case he made Happiness in Magazines. Which well, is, and both of you know, Happiness mm. Magazines is fine, but Foo Fighters is Foo Fighters. Like You've got to think this is his fourth, uh, fifth, fifth, fifth solo album. Solo album yeah. And then, you know, there was another one a couple of years later. Like, he, right. he's very prolific. Yeah. Uh, I've only heard a couple of them, you know, like, this this, this this wasn't enough to make me go, oh, I must buy every Graham no, Coxon no, album. No, no, no. Do you know what I mean? But I think it's, I think it's decent. Think um, right. Did you listen to the bonus tracks? Because I think um, Right to Pop is the United States bonus track. Is right fuck. to Pop, I heard. It's yes. great. Yes. Um, uh, probably the most unexpected moment. I just didn't expect him to be like, Right to Pop kind of thing. You know, know. Almost, almost. Elvis Costello. Us. Oh, well, Elvis Costello's way, way there. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but uh, yes, I heard that one. Was there another one? Um, well, there's another bonus track, um, a Japanese one. Uh, the other one was uh, Life It Sucks, which is not as that. good. Didn't hear anything like that. It's not nope. as good. Um, but yeah, Right to Pop's Wicked. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah it's decent. It cool. um, anyway, yeah, I think this is a decent record, but I just thought it was interesting, as I said. So anyway, there you go. Graham Cox and Happiness in Magazines. Next week, Renfrey, what are you giving me? Uh, I'd like to give you quite a big one, I think. Okay. Is that okay? Does that... I was going to give you... I've got two fairly big ones, but one has kind of gone. You give me, yeah, you give me what you're going to give me. I was really tempted to give you. I'm not. Have you ever heard Urban Hymns in Full by the Verve? Uh, it's been a long, long, long time. Is it worth doing? It's definitely worth doing. Okay, let's do the Verve Urban Hymns. It's then. probably not one that I listen to that much at the time either. So okay, yeah, it's definitely worth doing. Right now, this is another really, really big album. If you're from a certain place, if if you're one of our American listeners, I doubtless you will have heard this. Um, Hootie and the Blowfish. Oh, have you ever heard Hootie and the Blowfish? Uh, yeah, I've heard them, but I've I've not a whole album. So now I have to sort of fess up here. I haven't ever listened to Cracked Rearview either. Okay, but I have American influences in my life these days, Winfrey, as you know. Uh, <laughs> who assure me that we'll have a nice time listening to Hootie and the Blowfish. Oh, that could be an interesting deal breaker if could you don't. Be. <laughs> well, could we'll be, see. couldn't it? We'll see. So anyway, um, okay. it's just because they weren't big here and they no. were really big in America. First time I ever heard of Hootie and the Blowfish. It was on Friends? Was on Friends, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, we'll talk about that more next week. Um yeah, so Hootie the Blowfish cracked review, and I'll be doing Urban Hymns by The Verve, and we'll be reviewing Flaming Lips. Going to be a big old week. Yes. Sweet. And other th- oh, and the damn things. And the damn things. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we still got. We still got more to come. <laughs> so let's do it. it. Really Renfrey, weird. Doing you it went order. to Roadburn Festival. I went to Roadburn Festival. Um, long we've done a special about Roeburn before yeah. with Becky Laverty who's yeah. uh, one of the promoters um we have spoken at length about it many times and yeah. mentioned it in passing about how good it is I've still never been because it feels it feels a really awkward fucking time of the year for me um if you want I mean if you want to know the full skinny I'd recommend going back to that special that we did the yeah. very first special we ever did mm. on Roeburn Festival we discussed it for a good hour and a half a very short synopsis on what it is. It's one of the most revered 
heavy festivals in the world. Um, I stress heavy and not metal because it really isn't a metal festival, but it seems to be a music that brings together experimental heavy music yeah I guess, for sure and this year and they always have someone curating it guest curator every year this yeah. year it was old uh tommy Lindbergh. oh tommy Lindbergh. Old tommy limbies from uh, from, at from at the gates yep. putting together quite the lineup so renfrew i don't know how much of his curation i ended up seeing actually oh, really which, which okay. goes to show there's so much happening at roeburn all the time if you have fomo then it's a really difficult festival to be at i have to say yeah um but yes i shall i shall go through the bands who i saw so first of all um absolute favorites of this podcast i got in just in time to see emma ruth rundle we both like emma ruth rundle don't we steve yes um and as usual she was absolutely fucking brilliant she was backed once again by jay jail who she was back with uh who's backed her for quite a long time actually now and um yeah, just she brilliantly filled up this one of the rooms is called Copal Hall where she was playing. So it's this really big warehousey kind of room and she just filled it up brilliantly with this blanket of like noise which just feels like it's washing over you like a wave. It was fucking beautiful. She played loads of stuff from her last record on Dark Horses. Um and it was a very similar set to when I saw her last time in London. But um just wonderful as always. I never really have anything bad to say about Emma Ruth Rundle because she's brilliant live. Um, you've not actually seen her live yet, have you? I haven't seen her live yet, no. Mate, you should get on that because uh, she is absolutely brilliant. I'm interested, as I feel like... I think I said when we reviewed um, Emma Ruth Rundle's last album, mm-hmm. um, it feels like a continuation of a very personal companion piece from the album before that. Mark for Death, yeah. Mark for Death, yeah. I was wondering how those records in the live environment, how those two records managed to mash. To be honest with you, they mesh better than... Mesh. You meant mesh, didn't you? <laughs> uh, I assume The monster mesh. mesh. <laughs> uh, they mesh better than material from her first solo album, which is called Some Heavy Ocean, which is far more her... It's not just her and acoustic guitar, but it's far more that. Uh, because they both have bands behind them they work live um you know she played a couple of songs from mark for death including the title track protection uh also a beautiful version of heaven um but no by brian adams that's right yeah oh thinking about her yesterday or younger year whatever i don't know fuck it bro fuck it brian adams is shit who cares She also played an absolutely beautiful rendition of uh, Real Big Sky solo, which is the last song on Mark for Death, uh, to end the set, which was absolutely wicked. Real Big um, Fish. Real Big Fish, yes, yes. Sorry, I'm just going right, to... I'm not going to ruin... Gonna, this yeah, are you going to do this for the whole fucking... I don't know, I might do, yeah. It's going to be a long-ass <laughs> fucking review if you do. Sorry. It was really beautiful and it was very good. Um, do you know High Lung? Have you heard of High Lung? Heard of them. What do you know about High Lung? They're in Metal Hammer. <laughs> You're absolutely correct, Steve. <laughs> Although you've given uh, totally the wrong impression from the beginning because I wouldn't say there's anything metal about Highland, but they do appear in that metal hammer. They are one of those oddities, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I think they do belong in the metal hammer world. They, even though they are definitely not metal, they're, they're described as experimental folk on Wikipedia. Um, I'd probably go a little bit further and say that they're sort of ritualistic shamanic percussive folk uh 
and they have band members from Denmark, Norway, and Germany. They sort of dress up in bizarre headrest gear with like massive skulls on and um they look spectacular um there are three core members but then in addition to that there's like a male choir that comes on at some point there's like loads of other drummers and loads there's loads of stuff going on and they kind of um they do music based on texts of original articles from the iron age and the viking age can you see the Mount hammer connection here mm-hmm. um they describe their music as amplified history from early medieval Northern Europe. Really good? Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, they were good. They were a genuine... Maybe a live review, not you reading from their Wikipedia page. <laughs> they were genuinely a fascinating, interesting experience. And they there are not many places that you would see something like that rather than Roadburn. I mean, there are other places, but I think this was their 14th ever show. Um, and the, I don't, you know, Highland wouldn't get booked for download, I don't think. Do you know what I mean? Um, it is choral percussive, percussive music. The instruments are weird-ass old percussion. Cool, weird-ass old percussion, but... <laughs> and, and voices, that's it. And it's all very shamanistic and kind of like, you know... Um, they're probably burning incense. I imagine they're burning incense. Mm. Um, and the Roadburn crowd were absolutely, absolutely enraptured by it. And in lots of ways, I've called them a Roadburn band because they are one of those bands who's like, oh, well, only a Roadburn. I think you'd be as likely to see something like Highland at the Barbican Centre in London, which is like this big art centre, which has all sorts of sort of classical music and, yeah. and uh, movies and also lots and lots of things, but more like an art centre than anything else. They have actually announced a date in London um, where they're not playing. Well, I can't remember exactly where it is, but it's very rare that you get to see something like that. So I thought it was really amazing and special for one of uh, one of about. Uh, right, you're allowed to think something <laughs> special for lack of a better word. Ah, everyone. Renfrey <laughs> likes something. <laughs> Beat him up. But... I can't honestly say that I would like come home and put a Highland record on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, I'm sort of, I'm being quite tentative because this feels like a very, like people in there were just like enraptured and close to tears. And it was obviously quite an amazing experience for a lot of people. I was a bit like, eh. um, so yeah. Right, so uh, <laughs> out of 10 <laughs> out of 10 so what i wasn't air about though do you know twin temple i do yeah oh mate have you heard twin temple i've heard them yeah what do you think of twin temple uh, it's all right <laughs> i mean a lot of people seem to be going batshit crazy for them at the moment and i'm, I'm i don't hate it mm-hmm. but so, i'm not i don't think it's amazing like people seem to go oh uh-huh. it's so amazing I, is it i'm not sure um well, it was very cool seeing it in the environment that I did. So it was probably about half 10 or half 11 when they came on. I saw them in a church. Yeah, that's cool. That would work. They are a satanic doo-wop band. Mm. Um, and whilst if you've not heard them, that is probably a style of music which is incredibly difficult to imagine in your head. If you listen to them, you go, oh yeah, satanic doo-wop. <laughs> like they are a doo-wop band that took saying about satanic shit mm. basically um in the environment that i saw them in i enjoyed them very much i have Good. to say in a church um really theatrical and silly two core members with uh 
who are a couple with people around them. And um <laughs> not a couple then, are they? They're more as in that <laughs> Oh, you mean they're uh, they are, together. They are, they okay, are together. fine, sorry. Yeah. Um not that that's important, but they are. And uh it's not this isn't fucking heat magazine. <laughs> You're going to be an arse doing this review. It's just because it's going to be me talking for about half an hour. You're yeah, going to I've come got to do something, aren't I? Fucking hell. <laughs> we'll come to Roadburn next year then. Ooh. Yeah, I, mean, I would like to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, I really enjoyed it. Very theatrical and kind of reading from a satanic text and getting everyone to chant Lucifer in a church and shit like this. Could have done with a little less of that. But then um, they've got record and i'm guessing they don't have all that much material at the moment so maybe those theatrics will be uh, uh toned down later on because you know there was a lot of it um but yeah i really like it if you like the sound of satanic do what mm. then you can't really go wrong with twin temple okay um it was good i i can't imagine i can't imagine i don't know where they're gonna go like the satanic do what thing feels very doesn't feel much, like it might last much longer than a couple of albums yeah but whilst it's here there's no reason why you should not enjoy it unless you're like a fun-loving christian or something you probably won't like it then so you say that fun-loving criminals <laughs> that's your huey morgan from the fun-loving criminals <laughs> um he hate him then went to see your favorite uh, uh your favorite japanese crew i'm gonna say i don't know what? <laughs> I then went to see Mono okay. in the main room. Was that good? Because I've heard they're absolutely unbelievable live. <sighs> um, mm. I've seen Mono three times live. One time they were very good. The other time they were extraordinarily boring. Mm. Uh, this third time I saw them, they were utterly sublime. So right, okay. um, I'd say they run a, a gummet. A gum, gummet? Gamut. Gamut. Thank you. Of emotions uh, for me. But they were with uh, the Joe Quayle Quartet. So they had a string quartet with them, which helped immensely, I have to say. The sound was absolutely impeccable. They were in the 3000 Cap 013 room, which was just... I think post-rock on that scale really fucking works. Because I will acknowledge, as much as I love post-rock, sometimes seeing post-rock in a pub doesn't quite do it for you. It's one of the one of the genres where actually a larger room tends to be better than a smaller room, funnily enough. Which is not normally how it goes. But um, yeah, they were absolutely phenomenal. They were playing uh, their 2009 record, Hymn to the Immortal Wind, in full. Uh, this is the one that was recorded with an orchestra, hence them being with a um, string quartet, which worked absolutely magically. I felt like... Um, I felt really emotionally invested through it as well. Like, it, it did feel... I think Hymn to the Immortal Wind is a far more emotional kind of record right, than okay. the last one uh, that we reviewed. And it was partly due to the string quartet but it was also down to mono itself and the dynamics were massive yeah probably the best post-rock set i've seen at roadburn bar godspeed you black emperor last year wow um i've only been the last three years but you know i've been to a few uh, it was really quite special and there were a lot of people just walking out of that room just like in tears it was very 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 beautiful um and brilliant um and then Did everyone just walk around crying at Roadburn? No. <laughs> it would have been so interesting if people had been walking around crying to the next band. <laughs> oh, no, sorry. oh, God. Well, imagine doing that, Steve, yeah. on a Friday afternoon to Secret Cutter. 
Oh, yeah, so you sort of think you're cutting out. This is a bit of me. <laughs> this is a bit of you. Yeah, I'm up for this. Um, so this began the Holy Raw showcase. So Holy Raw were there this year and just took over the one of the smallest stages for the whole day. Um, and yeah, we we... We've wanted to get Secret Cutter on this podcast before, and have, I, I think we've probably talked about them briefly. We mentioned them. I think they were they were one of those bands where we were going to had we started, and we were going to do them like unsung heroes. They were going to be an unsung heroes, yeah. and they were usurped for leached because we would we would we want didn't want to give you too many things that sounded similar, similar, and Secret Cutter and Leached aren't identical, but they're both yeah. three pieces. They're both noisy as fuck. Um, they're both broadly sort of hardcore metal stuff. Yeah. Um, Secret Cutter are really good, fantastic. Um, I didn't realise there was no bass. It's just vocals, guitar, yeah. and drums. I, 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 uh, I, I did the, the hammer feature. Right, right. Um, um, so, I was talking to them about that. But as a result, um, it's really powerful. It cuts through everything. The mm. only sort of melodic thing you have to listen to is the guitar lines, you know. So it doesn't ever get muddied. And the um, the response was just amazing. People were going off, um, and I yeah, I'd never seen them before. I thought they were very, very, very good, very technically proficient, and um, really got the crowd going. Yeah, they're very, very good. I'd like to see them again soon. As a matter of fact, they are playing again, uh, probably around the time that this podcast comes out. So okay. if you're interested in seeing them, mm. and then once anyone again, crying. Didn't see anyone crying at Secret right, Cutter. Okay, I likely saw people crying. At A.A. Williams, though. Uh, yeah, how was that? Oh, A.A. Williams. So I feel like we've been... I feel like we've been talking about A.A. Williams for years, you know. It's so crazy to think that EP came out in January. but um, Yeah, it was pretty much the first show, wasn't it, of the year? First show of the year, yeah, exactly. And it feels like I've been waiting a lifetime to see A.A. Williams live. And this was the first... Her first ever performance with this material. Right. And in this guise. And um, it was just wonderful i'm very happy to say that it lived up to my expectations which have been quite wildly extravagant considering mm. i feel like i've been waiting for so long um she has a full band behind her which fleshes out the really subtle arrangements that she has on that ep really well without overpowering them which can be sometimes when you have a full band doing those subtle arrangements that sort of becomes cheesy mm. but no they 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 make them fuller and bigger and better without overclouding them. Also got an opportunity to hear some material which isn't on that EP, which I was also very pleased to say sounds very different to the EP material. If I did have a criticism of that EP, and I don't really, but if I did, it would be it's a little samey, which I think is fine for an EP. To four be totally tracks. Honest. I think for a four track. Uh, if anyone an said that, I'd say it's four songs you idiot that's why i said i don't really have any criticisms well, of it but yeah. if if yeah. one did it would be that but the concern with that is you go is that because that works as an ep or is that because you can't write anything outside of that i think i think she clearly can it's very kind of the stuff that i heard which i didn't wasn't familiar with sounded very pj Harvey-esque almost um, sweet that's cool yeah yeah great um, just made me even more excited about her and where she might go and what we'll see from her in the future uh which is what you want really isn't it um <sighs> conjurer <sighs> yeah get yourself out of the way quick uh how are conjurer conjurer were good they were very good they played eight songs they played most of Maya. uh 
I mean, this is the 10th time I've seen Conjurer. And it's the fourth time I've seen them since we've been doing this podcast. I know, yeah, I've seen them a bunch of times. It's got to be them all the time. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And we never say anything <laughs> bad about them. Well, they're good. They, they, they are really good, they're yeah. They're always good. They've always been good. Brady's a cunt. Move on. That's it, isn't it? You know? Yeah. I think by now we should have some sort of... Um, sort of amnesty again some sort of like blockade to <laughs> review not reviewing conjurer and should we say we're not reviewing conjurer until the new album comes out oh i wonder what they'll think and of I'm that just speed up getting a new album. <laughs> <laughs> until I mean, we've heard the new album well we should i mean they were fucking great but they always yeah. are and you know it was amazing i i think i mean to throw in some kind of criticism cr- critique as I should be doing. I preferred them at Complexity Fest where I last saw them to uh, to Roadburn, but that was You more... horrible man. <laughs> <laughs> but that was more down to seeing them in a massive fuck-off room and nail it, whereas this was a much smaller room. However, they still nailed, nailed, nailed it. it. Yeah, um, so the next set, I saw Thou being uh, fronted by Emma Ruth Rundle. Oh, fucking hell. How's that? How is that in your mind? Uh, noisy and nice and... <laughs> noisy and nice? Noisy and nice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it was. It was noisy and nice. Uh, yeah, I imagine it was sort of pretty horrifically... Uh, something lovely floating above a swamp of shit. <laughs> like gross, horrible, yeah, with like something really beautiful over the top of it. You're not far off. Yeah, more or less. I don't mean shit as in not very good. I mean shit as in but like very sludgy dirty, and like dirty. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You are not far off at all. Um, and it was really, in fact, I'd say it was that, but better. Um, it was very, very better good. Than swamp of shit. <laughs> better than the swamp of shit. Yeah, believe it or not. Um, so this was uh, one of the specially commissioned pieces um just like we reviewed the waste of space orchestra a couple of weeks ago and that was a specially commissioned festival um set for roadburn festival which they yep. started last week this was one of this year's and um so it was all new music hadn't heard any of this stuff before um my god i hope they release it um whether as a live set or even better get in the studio and release it they probably will because mm-hmm. they'll release fucking everything they do, don't they? They, they do a fart and they'll release it um but then it always sounds good so um fair play to them they actually, um, they were the artist in residence, Thal. So this was their second set of four. I saw two of their sets. I'll talk about the other set later. But one of the sets that I missed, I just wanted to let you know about this because I thought you'd like this. They did a secret set in a skate park where they played exclusively Misfits co- covers. Did they? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'd like that. I would have liked to have known about it. <laughs> I was kind of like, I heard about it as I was leaving and i was the other side of the um site but yes shitter shitter um i then went back into the holy war room to see pine um i fucking love pine uh pine, that album's really good it's by the way. so fucking good loss is their debut album from last year eight tracks like an hour it's it's i can't i kept referring to them as a post-metal band but i think really they are a post-rock band on holy raw if that makes sense. So yeah, rather... I, I agree. Actually, I don't think it's necessarily metal, Yeah, but it's heavy. Yes. Oh God. Yeah. It's heavy in theme and in sonics and in every single way. Every, every time I see pine, 
I feel like I'm seeing a different, but ultimately just as good band, you know, like, uh, and that's partly because they have a bit of an improvisational nature live. It's partly because they have a revolving cast of people in the bands, in the live bands. But um, I've seen them six times now and they've never felt, I've never feel like I'm seeing the same thing again. And I really love that about them, but the quality never dips either. I think they're really quite a special band. Um, I think they're a special band that, oh God, I'm almost, I'm not even sure if I want to say it. I feel like they're a very special band that are likely to go under the radar for a lot of people. I think that's true. And then people... It's difficult. It's a very, very difficult band. I think people will look back and go, God, Pine were fucking amazing, weren't they? Probably a few years after they split up at some point. You know, I mean, and that sucks. But then a lot of those bands are the best bands it's true. Um, I don't know why I've just predicted their entire career in this review, but it feels like that's what's going to happen. They'll be happy to hear that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like I just say something more positive. Anyway, they are fucking amazing yeah, and you great. should listen to them mm-hmm. and make sure that that dystopian future that I've just out laying out doesn't happen and go and buy their record because and see them live because they're fucking brilliant. That'll do, won't it? Yeah. <laughs> We're halfway through. It's all right. Um, on Saturday, I saw I couldn't even concentrate because I was so excited about the set that I was most excited about for the whole day. I couldn't see any bands beforehand because I was too excited thinking about it. So I waited until 10 to 7 and then saw Cave In. Cool. <laughs> you, you. I'm look- really annoyed. I'm, 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 I'm. I was going to say you look like you shit yourself. I feel... Yeah, I feel really annoyed that I didn't because they played in London on Friday and I didn't go, and I feel really sad now. I've got like really, I feel really sad now. You're about to tell me how great they were. You're undoubtedly going to tell me how great they were. I didn't try not to think about it on Friday, and now I feel. I just feel like, oh, here we go. This is the bit where I'm going to be like, oh, why, why, why didn't I go and fucking see them? Why? But I didn't go and see them. Room three. What were they like? I've been lucky enough to see Caven three times. Um, see him with Sick for the Underworld on the Antenna Tour? I didn't, no. Right, well. <laughs> well, fuck. <laughs> well, I did, so. Um, and I've seen them. Just before we start. I, I, I saw I saw them in uh, New York on the White Silence Tour. I'm sure you'll be annoyed about that, as that was your favourite album of that year. Yeah, it's a fucking great it's record. A great record. Yeah. Um, in are really, I mean, everyone's saying this at the moment with Caleb passing away last year but yeah. it feels like i feel like you and i have always considered cave in a special band oh definitely and it feels like a lot of people have only sort of started saying that since his passing which is i suppose bittersweet in a way but um it's great to see them finally get that recognition because the last two places i saw them was um god the second room in the zodiac in oxford which is tiny yep. and, and no longer there and a tiny basement show in New York called uh, a venue called Santos Party House, which is also no longer there. I believe it was a 400 cap. Max. I saw them on the third stage at Reading. Oh, in cool. About 2002, 2000, yeah, 2002. Amazing, amazing. Half empty, no one cared. This is the thing. And this is a band who, so, oh no, what am I saying? This is the fourth time I've seen them because actually the first time I saw them was in a massive room because they were supporting Food Fighters. Of course, um, just before Antenna came out, 
And they released Tides of Tomorrow, the Tides of Tomorrow EP, which is brilliant little EP. Um, and I remember seeing them there and being really impressed with them. And then they did a uh, cover of Led Zeppelin's Days and Confused, and I was incredibly impressed. Um, they, I'd never seen one cave-in set which goes into the whole breadth of everything they do. They always seem to have a little bit of problem with self-identity cave-in, not sure knowing exactly what they wanted to be they flitted between so many you know the first couple of records were like two of the best metalcore records like old school metalcore records ever then they went into sci-fi proggy territory with creative eclipses and jupiter then they went into more mainstream rock kind of almost foo fighters-esque sort of thing with um ties of tomorrow and particularly antenna and then they released a couple of records which just tried to do all of those things mm. <laughs> um and we're often well, a very good summation of their career, Winfrey. Well done. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, I love Cave-In and I think about them a lot. <laughs> so, um, and uh, they, you know, it always felt like they weren't entirely sure who they were, what they wanted to be, um, which was sometimes very endearing, but sometimes frustrating as well. This felt like Cave-In going, let's just celebrate everything we've done. So... You know, we got alongside Juggernaut. They went from Juggernaut into Joy Opposites. You oh, know? wow. So Juggernaut is from Until My Heart Stops, mm. which is a metalcore album, into Joy Opposites, which is a song from their Foo Fighters record, basically. And it worked because it's all about the quality of these songs. They're just so fucking high. And Caven still sound unique, I think. You know, they still, there's no yeah. one quite like them. <clears throat> Stephen Brodsky's guitar lines are just fucking outrageous the trebly stuff that he does um it's just so heavy um nate from converge uh was he playing bass build caleb's shoes and i cannot think of anyone better to do it not at all that's a perfect yeah like if if, if anyone on earth that would be the person yeah it was a perfect (laughs) scenario he did his um caleb had a very uh very quite quite a distinctive scream would you agree yeah um and nate manages to capture it incredibly well um and he did so on songs like tree panning and off to ruin which you know it's now impossible the song off to ruin has this lyric now your dead friend's gone which of course is so difficult it's taken on a brand new meaning you know and it's really cathartic and so yeah more tears at the Caven Festival. Well, uh, I expected uh, that to be fair. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, they also played two new songs from the upcoming album, Final Transmission. I say upcoming. Uh, it, they were selling it at the gig. What? Uh, they were selling it at the London gig as well. You really should have oh gone. God, <laughs> fuck! <laughs> oh my God. Steve's very uh, angry. Um, it's called Final Transmission and it's coming out in June, but obviously people already have it. They had it on vinyl. Um, and oh God, I'm so angry. I don't even know. <laughs> I can't even. Do you want me to press stop on the recorder? No, no. <laughs> um, they played two new songs from that record. One of which people have probably already heard. It's all illusions, I believe it's called, and uh, another one called oh, "Shake Your Blood." I think it was called. Very uh, psychedelic cave-in in in Mm. terms of creative eclipses and jupiter era i would say it's probably the closest um (laughs) oh you're looking really annoyed now 
Jupiter's your favorite, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, yeah. Uh, sounds really, really good. Um, but uh, yeah, they they were just they were as sublime as I expected them to be, and uh, it was wonderful. And if anyone had the opportunity to go and didn't, I mean, I can't even imagine how much you'd hate yourself if that happened. Do you think how much chocolate I've eaten today, and how much <laughs> full of self loathing I already am, and then to hear that. Uh, I just think I'm the worst person that's ever lived. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I tell, honestly. I tell you what. I prefer Robbie Williams to me at the moment. I tell you what. Big Riff into Sing My Loves is one of the best one-two punches I've ever seen at a gig ever. Oh, wow. You're about to get a one-two punch unless you move on. <laughs> <laughs> Louise Lemon. Um, we talked about quite a bit about Louise Lemon on this show. Yeah, we have, I feel yeah. Like. Um, we don't mind her. We don't mind her. Um, and, and I was very curious to see her live because I think the general perception is we like her very much, but there are other people in a similar forum to what she's doing, which we prefer. I think that's fair. Yeah, that's yeah. broadly right. Um, and the pop-led nature of what she does is very apparent live, more so than with an Emma Ruth Rundle or a Anna von Housewolf or whatever. Because it does feel like, like she is just singing and it does feel like it's very much her backing band, you know, much of the focus is on her um and you know that's fine that's absolutely fine it's just a little bit alien in this metal world that she's sort of encroaching in not totally alien but more alien yeah yeah yeah. um but i have to say her material live just sounded fucking great actually um much fuller much bigger and much more soulful um Mm. from the records i never quite got the sense that she was a goth Diana Ross. <laughs> Me neither. Live, it, it feels like the Supremes gothed up. Really? Oh, yeah. Cool. And and it's good. It's really fucking good. Um, I I was really impressed actually, and and it's made me want to go back to those records and kind of re-listen to them and hear them in a different light. You know, when you hear like um, choruses like. Um, your love was impossible when I made your life impossible. That's a good song, right? Great song, but you can see how that could be like a Supremes line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you just need to put a few finger clicks in there and you've mm. got the Supremes, basically. And you could see that so much more. I don't know if it was through her movements or what, but you could just see it so much more and it opened it up even further for me. So I really, really, really enjoyed Louise Lemon. I cool. thought she was fantastic live. Great. Um, okay, so on the last day, I saw Daughters, who I would also say alongside caving they weren't the set that i was most looking forward to because i you know i struggled with that album i found it very very difficult and abrasive but uh having seen them live before i love it i know you love it of course you love it I love um it. i'm trying to remember when i saw them where i saw them live before sporting dillinger wasn't it oh yeah new york mm. by their final show god yeah that was yeah again i saw dillinger on the cat going infinity tour mate <laughs> so i don't like with again with six and nate and Norsen. So, you know, <laughs> no, mate. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. not getting me on these. Like, no, no, no. You, you, your, your fun times are in the past, and <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, the thing is, the past was better. <laughs> um, daughters were absolutely incredible. Like, they are just so. Um, I mean, they're so abrasive and so difficult to get. It makes so much more sense live. They sound like an almost 
I mean, they're still abrasive and difficult to get, but they sound like an almost totally different band live. And mm. I really seeing some of that, um, some of the most recent material, I it has made me. I, I, you know, I confess, I actually bought the album as I was listening to the set because even though I, you know, have a copy on MP3 that, that we used to review, yeah. I was like, okay, now that I've seen this live, I think I'm going to get it more. And I almost did it as a kind of like trying to push me into getting into that record more mm. because i've heard it uh and seen it in a much different light now um daughters are playing in uh well they should be playing live as you hear this and they're playing london tomorrow if you hear this the day that it comes out and mm. um you'd be mad not to go wouldn't you stephen hill <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna be at my mum's it's easter so i've got Bollocks, family mate. commitments i can't go i can't i just basically I'm only going to see bands that I don't mind. I'm not going to see bands that I really love. <laughs> Fuck it. So I'm going to watch Slash while Tool are on. Fair play. Probably the best thing to do, isn't it? Why are you going to watch stuff you really like? What's the point of that? Go and see stuff that you don't like. like Black Dolly Murder, I really like them. They're good. But I'm well, not, I don't love them so I can go and watch them. Do what's coming back? Heart Tangent Festival? So you can I see thought I'd watch them there. If you turn up uh, <laughs> on time. <laughs> Oh, bit of silence. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so uh, I then went on to see Thou, their last set uh, yeah. of the weekend, and they were <laughs> brilliant. Um, they detonated into a wall of feedback at the beginning of their set, which mm. is the hell of a way to start a set. Um, they've been, they had obviously been a constant presence throughout Roadburn Road 2019, so they kind of returned as all conquering heroes, but they yep. were absolutely fantastic. Um, the low end of what they do resonates so much. It's so cavernous. It almost sounds like King Kong taking a giant shit, um, but in a good way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, they were absolutely amazing. I found it all kind of rolled into one a little bit because I'm thou have released so much material over the years. I can I'm I'm familiar with maybe maybe a fifth of it mm. um so i didn't recognize a lot of it but i sure as fuck thought it was good what i was watching um so then uh then i went to see marissa nadler back in the church do you know marissa nadler no i don't i've got to be honest no um she's a, another goth female singer songwriter type yeah and i'd heard a lot of stuff about her she was dressed in white um that's uh, an that's... important <laughs> distinction to be making that's not what I'd heard about it. It was merely another fact that I was presenting there. Yeah. Um, very quiet and respectful crowd. I'd heard lots of stuff about her. And so, you know, considering I tend to like this kind of female singer, songwriter, Dow type thing, I was like, I should check her out. Oh, I feel like something's coming. Uh, well, it was going to be coming. Sure, I feel like there's oh, about to be a sting in the towel. There's going to um, be a sharp left turn, isn't there, Renfrey? Um, No, she, oh. was, she, was, she was... Well, she was very good. She was very pleasant throughout... Reminded me of, it's, it felt more like Jeff Buckley in his Cafe Chenet sort mm. of days than anything else at Roadburn, because it was just her and a guitar. Yeah. Um, and whilst, you know, as you would have heard through this review, there was lots of dynamic shifts throughout the whole day or, or whatever, this was probably sort of the most chill that I'd seen, because it's literally one person with using two instruments. Um, but I thought it was good. I wasn't sure if it was the best moment for me to be introduced to her if that makes sense introduced yeah. to her music because i'd just seen thou and <laughs> my head's completely yeah. battered around but i'm interested enough and i want to check out more 
Um, but yes, I thought she was very good. I'm not sh- quite sure if she's as good as a lot of the people around me have been talking about her and saying she's as good, but okay. she's very, very good. I then retired to uh, the Green Hall to see Bosk. Bosk are great, aren't they? Yeah, really good. Perfect band for Roadburn. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of amazed. I don't think they played it before, which was really surprising. Um, but they played Audio Noir in full, which okay. is their debut album. Uh, I think I was having a think about this whilst waiting for them to come on. And I don't think I can think of a post metal album that's come out in the last five years that I prefer to Audio Noir. Okay. <laughs> I was just wondering if you could think of any, but I, I, I think uh, it's pretty brilliant. It is good. Yeah. Um, are oh, you fucking just chuck that straight at me? Sorry. No, uh, oh no. Um, well, our last five years. Okay. No, what does, does Mariner count? I would say Mariner counts in the, um, yeah, in the, yeah, I prefer Audio Noir. Do you? I really like Mariner. Mariner's amazing, but I prefer. I mean, I was going to say Vertical, which is better. That's a good 10 years though, isn't it? No. 2013 it came out. 2013, so six years. It's a year out. I still prefer Audio Noir. What, to Um, Vertical? Yeah. Do you? Yeah. I really, really like it. I really like it. Vertical's brilliant, but... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really brilliant, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what are you going to do? Um, yeah, it was fantastic. I've seen Bosk a lot. I feel like I've talked about them a lot on this podcast. Yeah, um, even I've, I've spoke, I think I've reviewed them a couple of times. Yeah, I, I, last time I saw them was with Black Peaks, I think it's a very similar kind yes, of... Lots yeah. and lots and lots of uh, uh, joss sticks um, and uh, incense. <laughs> That was the who's, best thing about them. Who's Joss Sticks? <laughs> no, you know Joss Sticks. Joss Sticks? Related to Joss Stone? No. No. It was okay. really good. It was really good. Joss Sticks and Joss Stones may break my bones, <laughs> but Bosk will never hurt me. So Bosk are brilliant. If you're not familiar yeah. with them, you should go and see them. They're absolutely amazing. Check out Audio Noir first before one and yeah. two, because they're a bit harder to get into. Mm. Uh, final band I saw yep. was Birds in Row. Oh, great. Fucking great. Uh, that album's wicked. Um, Fucking fantastic. Were they yeah. good? Yeah. They were brilliant. Um, do you know their first album as well? First album. I don't good. know. First album's very good. The second album is better. And you could definitely, but the first album's more sort of, um, it's harder and heavier and there's less melodic stuff in it. I do think that the albums, the, the songs from the second album really came across so much better with more melody and stuff. All that stuff comes across. It's what marks them out as being really different, I think. Um, again, they played in the church, which was a lovely way to uh, see that venue off because it's not going to be used again, unfortunately, anymore. Um, but it was, yeah, a really uh, cathartic, uh, very aggressive performance. They're coming over again with Cult Feeder. And I'm they are. really looking forward to seeing yeah, that. Yeah, that would be good. Even, I was quite excited about it anyway. Mm-hmm. But having seen that Bird in Row show, Birds in Row show, I'm now, I think both of those headliners are top of their game. Mm. Um, like genuinely quite different from what else is going on in the hardcore or metal scene, really. Birds in Row feel like they have their own identity, uh, which is ironic because uh, no one knows who the members of the band are, supposedly. Um, but yes, they were fantastic. Made a fuckload of noise for a trio as well. Mm. Um, I thought there was four of them. There was only three yeah, I didn't know there was only three. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep, mental. Oh, um, and yeah, it was a fantastic way to finish the road. So you didn't experience. see sleep. So I saw ten minutes of sleep. 
Um, and then he sounds like you had ten minutes of sleep. <laughs> <sighs> he's done him. He's I've, stitching him up, the kid. I thought sleep were great. I did some. Um, I was doing reviewing duties for Metal Hammer as well, so I had to sort of squander off things that I didn't necessarily squander, squander off. Yeah, I don't know where that came from either. Um, I saw. So Sleep did Holy Mountain in full one night and they did The Sciences the next night. Yeah. I saw the first three songs of Holy Mountain. So I saw the first 15, 20 minutes. Excellent. It was it was excellent. Yes. But I didn't feel like... Matt I didn't, Pike had his tits out. Matt, Matt Pike had his tits out. Big yep. belly out. What but a fucking lad. They played. He's got a Grammy. He's got a Grammy. What yeah. are you going to do about that? They played for two hours and I didn't particularly hmm. feel comfortable reviewing 20 minutes of a two-hour set no that's fine um but they were fantastic um okay. i'm not i'm not sure i fucking love sleep in mm. total sleep played four hours over roadburn jesus I'm not sure if i ever need four hours of roadburn in one weekend sleep. Uh, sorry sleep in one in one weekend mm. oh that sounds weird as well because sleep is something else it is. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah um but no they're fucking great aren't they yeah they're a cut above Good. Well, anyway, there you go. That was a very, very, very um, comprehensive review of Roadburn. And maybe it's one day... It's a four-day festival, mate. Maybe one day I'll get to go. Yeah, you should. I always feel like I go next year, next year, next year, and it, 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 it never And happens. then you're dead. Yeah, and hopefully <laughs> like, by the end of the day, I reckon I'll probably be dead. So um, <laughs> next week, if I'm not dead from sugar dysmorphia, then... Because um, <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah, it could be. Uh, we'll be back next week. Um talking about Hootie and the Blowfish and the Verve and the Flaming Lips. Go over to musicism.net, get um, 25% off your courses when you put in Riot in the checkout in capitals. Go over to patreon.com forward slash Riot Act podcast, suggest some albums for us to review on Rioters Review. There'll be some more of that coming up in the coming weeks and, well, every week. And uh, we'll see you next week for more shenanigans. (laughs) That's strange. Oh, I've crashed. Sugar crash. Fair.